Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. Well, welcome back to another edition of Leave the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, as always, Gabriel Montoya. Um, hey, thanks, everybody, for giving me a happy birthday wish. You know, uh, messages, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was a great Cinco de Mayo weekend, not just for myself, but I think for everybody uh, that is a boxing fan here, Gabriel. I had a great time. I enjoyed every card that happened Friday and Saturday. Uh, Facebook had some good fights. Uh, Golden Boy Live uh, Facebook uh, night had some good fights. Uh, Top Rank had some good fights on Saturday that happened in Stockton. And then uh, The Zone had some really good fights with the main event with Canelo Alvarez versus Danny Jacobs. So, I don't know. Let's just dive right into Danny Jacobs. And then we're going to open up the phone lines because they're going to get pretty, pretty, pretty uh, packed pretty quick for this uh, review that we have about Canelo Alvarez and Danny Jacobs. Um, I saw immediately right after the fight, uh, a lot of folks were saying that it was boring. Uh, they didn't enjoy it. Uh, a lot of complaints about the zone, uh, the stream, down all the way down to the commentary. Um, I got to tell you, man, I, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't really know. I didn't have any problem with my stream. Um, I had two TVs up. Uh, I was watching the top-ranked card, and I was watching the DAZN card, and I was I was entertained by Canelo and any and Danny Jacobs. Um, maybe because I wasn't expecting an all-out war, I, I was expecting more of a of a chess match between the two. You, when you have two high high-level skilled uh, uh, fighters, you're always you're never going to get that you know go immediately for the KO. It's it's kind of rare that kind of happens, especially with the way these two gentlemen, how they fight. You know, their style is not like that. Canelo's never been known as a as a as a murderous killer, a guy that goes in there and can take your head off with one shot. He actually kind of breaks you down, and and even by the weight, move up in weight in in the years, we've kind of seen him. We kind of seen Canelo, you know, uh, uh, get get better. Uh, Danny Jacobs too. Uh, Danny Jacobs, if you trap him then he's going to scratch his way out. Uh, and that was really up to Canelo to trap him. Um, some folks were saying that his, his cutting off the ring was a bit better. I didn't really see that. Um, I tell you what really has gotten good with Canelo, man, his head movement. It was really, you know, a thing of, of a, you know, that was ripped off the page of Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. Uh, his head movement was really good. He was avoiding a lot of shots. Um, he's very elusive. He's not getting the credit 
that as much as he should. Um, but he didn't really cut that ring off as much as I wanted to see him do so that he could have made Danny fight, force him to fight and slow him down, which I got to say I'm a bit surprised there, uh, Gigi Gabriel, that uh, <clears throat> Danny Jacobs, his legs were a lot better than what I thought they were going to be in this fight. I thought he, you know, I thought he was going to be a little bit more dead in the water. Mm. This is a big storyline. Uh, sorry, you caught me mid-sip there. Uh, I'm still in uh, post-opening night celebration, uh, <laughs> having my first stoli of the day. Look, it's four. I can I can start. Um, yeah, I uh, I think the biggest thing, you know, it was funny. I, I watched the fight uh, kind of weird. I, you know, it was my opening night on uh, Sunday, but it was my final preview on Saturday. And I was, so I was watching it on my phone on DAZN uh, in the dressing room. Um, you know, and I had the fights going all, all, you know, waiting. And then I, I only have like one scene in the second act, which is great because then I could kind of watch the fights, um, you know, pause it and then go do my work and come back and, and wait, you know, and watch it through intermission. Uh, and uh, cause it's a frack play. And so I noticed, I was like, you know, I'm watching it without sound, obviously, cause I'm right. So theater, and I'm going, what's wrong with Canelo's legs? He, you know, I know he's got that knee brace. He's been wearing it for a few fights now. We've heard that he, you know, he had a procedure done a while back. Like, you know, uh, I think it was around the time he tested positive. Like, didn't he kind of shut it down, had knee surgery, and then, you know, right? Uh, I think it was like a scope. But it seems like it's more of a, a you know. So then when I rewatched it was the during fight, the suspension, he did it. You know, right? Yeah, when he, that and test then, came back. Yeah, and and so they were like, we're going to shut it down for six anyways. So let's do this. Um, but so then, you know, I rewatched the fight today because I just wanted to watch it without any breaks and just really give it my full attention. And uh, yes, I was being a bad actor uh, watching the damn fight back there. But uh, it's a different world now with people with phones uh, from when the time I stopped acting when I was a boxing writer in L.A. and uh, right. the iPhone hadn't come out to now. It's, it's pretty crazy. People checking the score of the game, like, you know, and still going out there and, and, and rocking it. But like, it's a weird world. But I digress. Um, so I'm watching the fight t- today. And uh, sure enough, the first thing they say before the bell is Canelo's got such a bad knee injury. They're thinking they're going to have to go, you know, take care of this, like, with surgery after this fight. I'm like, why isn't anybody talking about this all week? Why wasn't that a big story? And Canelo, you talk about him not cutting off the ring. Well, you know, that's lateral movement. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that knee injury, he might be only, only able to really effectively go north and south right now, not east and west, you know? Um, and that's what's kind of showing. He's got a lot of miles on him, Canelo. We've been watching him since he was 17. Uh, he's been yep. in with a lot of big names, a um, lot of big fights, and a lot of them have gone 12 rounds. So while it's experience, it's also mileage. Uh, he hasn't taken a lot of beatings. Uh, I think the, the probably the worst, you know, his, his only loss is, is to Mayweather, and it was kind of a humiliation, uh, a bit of a beating, but, but not so, you know, career-altering by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I think it you know it strengthened his resolve as some people wrote this week. I think like uh, Lance Pugmire, uh, but I thought it was a tight fight. I gave Danny the first two rounds. I thought he was more accurate and more active. Uh, but then Canelo comes out with that crouch and the high guard, and his corner told him bend at the waist. Um, I don't think so much Julio Cesar Chavez, or it's reminiscent, I guess. I was thinking Pernell Whitaker with some of his head movement. I, I know that's Max Kellerman esque of me, but the the defense that he was showing, I mean. <laughs> It's the same kind of defense that everybody's super excited about Lomachenko, except that Lomachenko also has dynamic footwork to go with it, whereas Canelo's bending his waist and then kind of moving, but he's got a bad knee. Uh, and that's 
obviously hurting him. I mean, it's something that dog Sergio Martinez. Uh, if you watch Canelo's earlier fights, he was much more of a mover, uh, much more uh, you know active and, and, and mobile uh, while being a counterpuncher. He hasn't really right. changed. He's learned how to come forward defensively. I think that's the what the the defense has allowed him to do is is be more of a pressure fighter and go against his character, which is to be a mobile counterpuncher. Um, but I thought you know what, after the third and fourth, fifth, somewhere in there, that Danny just didn't look like he had any answers. Uh, so he switched into southpaw, with, which turns him into more of a mobile defensive fighter. So, but it's more like you know his his hands are leaky. That that defense, uh, that aspect of his defense is leakier, um, and his head movement isn't on point the way uh, Sergio Mora aptly pointed out. But um, but it's, he's he's able to move with his feet better and get into position and land a good left hand. Like it's probably the cleanest shots that he could land, or, or that right hook. Uh, but it was never – I don't think it really ever worked for him. It was only until he started going broke in the back quarter of the fight. Danny starts pressing the action. That I thought he had some of his most uh, you know, effective moments and, and probably stole a couple rounds. But I always felt that Canelo was in control. They were fighting his pace and that Danny was trying to figure out how to get through all the different looks that Canelo gives offensively from a high guard to a, you know, a, a low lead hand, more of a shell defense uh, – I said it after the fight. Canelo's a complete fighter and arguably the best fighter in the game. You know, you know, the story of the knee, like you said, was never picked up. It was never even talked about. But also the story of Danny Jacobs. I mean, immediately the story broke out that he he was not going to make the the uh, said weight that they had promised uh, that was going to happen. If he went above that weight, he was going to be fined. Um, but here's the thing: is that. Danny even said after, it's really hard for me to make 160. And he tried his best to come back on the second weigh-in scale. It just didn't happen. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of tweets and even people were hitting me up and they were saying, like, this Danny doesn't even look like he wants to fight. He's not letting his hands go. And I, I, I was sitting back and I was watching this fight here. And I was like, after the fight after, I was like, I want to wait to see if anybody brings this up. And uh, I didn't see anybody bring this up. If they did, you know, let me know, and I'll give you the credit. But um, I would have wished that me sitting back, I would have reported that, you know, when a guy has to dehydrate and rehydrate themselves, no one really talks about, you know, what it takes out of you, you know, what, you know, how your body has to recover, you know, a day being rehydrated is maybe it's not enough. I mean, it's not enough. Uh, if you're a big guy, big for, big middleweight, the way Danny Jacobs is, and who's really not even fighting in his own weight class, uh, I know he's you know campaigned at 160, but in reality, uh, he looks like he should be more at 168 or even at 175. I'm sitting and I'm watching a guy. He's not his response is very slow. It almost took him between the sixth and seventh round to kind of catch up and wake up. His body finally like you know finally went into gear, which was fighting gear. But but and, and when I see something like that, I sit back and I go, I wonder how much of that is a part of that rehydrating your body, you know, cutting all that weight to make 160 and then trying to reshock it to, to get it, you know, to, to get it up to for fight week or, or fight night. And I'm very curious of him going to 168, which he announced that he's 
planning to do. I think that is going to be far, be by far the better weight uh, division for him to campaign in, Gabriel. And I think that what we lack of seeing him in performance at 160, we're going to end up getting it at 168 because he's not going to cut as much weight. It, you know, he's not going to have to concentrate in so much in cutting weight to make make weight for a fight, but be more comfortable, more in his natural natural weight on fight night. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, so much we've talked about weight for a long time. And uh, Andy Foster, the, the executive director of the California State Athletic Commission, has talked about weight for a, a few years now. He's a former MMA fighter, uh, yeah, the wrestling background, I believe. He knows what it is to cut weight and how ridiculous it's gotten, uh, the, the, you know, the windows that people use, you know. Uh, the, the, from you know college wrestling, high school wrestling on up to MMA and, and, and boxing in the amateur and professional ranks, it's just gotten out of hand. The day before weigh-in and then 36 hours later, you're like 15 to 18 pounds. Like whatever your body can do and still be like at 90%, I guess, or closest to 100% as you can get, that's what people are doing. And they're doing it you know, when guys are younger and your body's more resilient. But, you know, we don't know the long-term effects. I mean, we've seen some of it, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe it. To me, it's just we've got to move towards what Floyd and Manny did towards the end of their careers, and the most effective parts of their careers was move to a weight where you're not killing yourself to get, you know, to qualify for a weight class, but you're still like super dangerous and and fast and 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 powerful. Uh, we're just not doing that. I mean, look how we're not learning that lesson. You know what I mean? Look how fluent Canelo looks at 160. You know, he, he, he really struggled at 147. Um, he was dropped at 140 uh, against Jose Cotto. Uh, at 154, when he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, he looked drawn out. Um, at 160, he seems to be more comfortable, even when he decided to go up to 168 for a short bit for that one fight. He looked. Lo- he was he only was like 164, you know. Right. Even if he fought Kovalev, I, I would suspect he would be like a 170. You know, like he, I think he's learned, like, you know, you keep your advantages and, and with, with Jacobs, he was, he was like, I'm going to be the smaller fighter. I'm going to slide in behind my shield, my high guard. He's got, you know, he's just got those winky right arms, you know, uh, he covers everything when he puts his gloves up and it's just, he's hard to get to. And he's got good quick hands. Uh, he's a lot faster than, than people give him credit for it. Like Danny knew what he was getting into. He just, just couldn't quite, quite crack it, you know, and he didn't fight with that urgency. And I, I, I tend to agree with you, Dave, that, that it, it was about not quite being able to pull the trigger as fast as he always wanted to. Um, no, I, you know, I haven't talked to Danny afterwards, but you know, know, we'll see. Yeah. Very slow response. I mean, Canelo Alvarez is a slow starter himself, but Danny's a very slow starter. It took him six to seven, which the same thing happened to him with when he fought Gennady Golovkin, took him a while to kind of catch up and get himself going. Um, I tend to believe that Danny, Here's two, two things. At that weight, he's probably a 15-round fighter. If he went to his natural weight, I think his body wakes up a little quicker because he's not, like, kind of shaking, trying to get him his bearings all together, you know I mean? It, you know, it's a lot, man. I, I don't think people understand that once you cut all that weight and then you try to rehydrate yourself, you got to refill your legs. You know, well, your body goes it, through a torment. Well, I think, yeah. you know, we, we we do, you know, we've we've heard about it and seen it. Somebody's died making weight in the last few years. I think a couple of people now. Uh, there was like an MMA guy like 2012, I want to say, uh, in Brazil. Just died like right on the scale. But, 
yeah, we know too much now. And mm-hmm. I think you can only go to that well so many times because it's such a uh, inexact pseudoscience, dehydrating and starving somebody 10, 15 pounds to give some sort of advantage when you rehydrate, uh, you know, if you're not too sick uh, and you can take advantage of it. That that inexact pseudoscience leads to, yeah, that on fight night, all of a sudden you're kind of a spent bullet. I'm not saying Danny was that uh, by any stretch, but uh, you and I talked about it extensively today. I think Danny needs to go to 68. Uh, he does. But we need to we need to go to uh, a mill car in New York City, I believe. Am I correct? Yeah, let's pass in some callers here. Sure. Yes, I'm in the, the Bronx, New York. How are you guys? In the Bronx? Good, oh, we're doing well, man. Doing well. Excellent. It's uh, you know, it's definitely San Francisco outside, but uh, other than you know the the windy weather and this kind of rain, it's it's good. Cool. No, um, congrats on your show, Gabe. That's good Thank to you. hear you guys had. Opening night must be exciting times. So, yeah, it is. It is. So I was one of the the people had had a few issues with um, the the zone broadcast on the hmm. weekend. Um, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this. I have Roku, and there's always a lag between like the audio and video after a few minutes. But what I notice is that if I watch it on my laptop in Chromecast, it it's absolutely fine. So they may kind of still be in the early stages of figuring things out with the different kinds of smart TVs and stuff. Or maybe right. it's a rope problem. I, I don't really know. Overall, well, I, I had thought, a... Yeah, go ahead, Gabe. Sorry. I have Chromecast. That's how I do, how I cast um, my, you know, from my phone app to, to that. And uh, today, just on the rewatch, I was watching all the undercard. And sometimes the, the quality is just all blurry. I don't know what the deal is. I've kind of looked in settings and there's no like in play, you know, setting you can go like best quality or anything. There's some problems with it and the ESPN app. They, they got a way to go in, in terms of user experience. I've had problems with the ESPN app. I've had problems with the ESPN app. Um, but I have Apple TV, I, you know, knock on wood. I haven't had problems with the zone yet, but I, I've been hearing a lot from a lot of folks saying that, you know, their, their stream is slow. It's pausing a lot. Uh, the audio and the action is off, just like you mentioned right now, Milkar. Um, but yeah, the ESPN Plus one, I have, I've, I've had problems with it, where it freezes on me, and I got to turn it off and turn it back on. But uh, the zone, I haven't, haven't uh, encountered those issues. My main problem with the ESPN is just it's difficult to find things. It's not like very intuitive and user friendly, like uh, Zone app is. The Zone, what you want, you find it right away. ESPN. I always have to go looking for things. It's a little annoying, um, especially if you're used to using Netflix or the OTT service providers. So you guys mentioned uh, Danny Jacobs moving up. I also thought that he lost the fight. He obviously didn't get dominated or blown out, but in my view, he didn't didn't win um, the fight or or earn a draw. But you look at the top fighters at 168. You know, I I don't really see him having a lot of success there. What do you guys think? You got Gilberto Ramirez, Callum Smith, Caleb Plant. I guess he could maybe do something with Darrell, but the other three, I I don't really see him having much success against them. Definitely not the first two. I think I, I'm going to have to go to see, for, you know, I think the first fight he takes on at 168, I think that's when I would go off him and how well he will do. Uh, you know, like I said, my theory is, is that if he moves up, I think it wakes up his body 
because he's struggling so hard to make 160. Dude, he looked terrible at the weigh-in. He did not. That was yeah, the worst I've really, ever seen him. Yeah, he looked so drained. Yeah, and just, yeah. You know, he, he looked good coming into the ring. You know, he was super excited to be there. But I just I was like, that just can't be good for you to do it that many times. His face just looks skeletal, you know? Uh, it's, I just like Dave and I talked about this today that it's just, you know, who's going to give him a shot. You know, he's not going to fight Andre. That's, you know, Golovkin is Andre's mandatory. Um, and obviously Golovkin Alvarez two or three rather doesn't make sense next. Um, if the mission was all the belts, then a fight where all the belts are on the line but, and it's the third fight between Canelo and, and Triple G makes the most sense. Or if Andre wins, you know, between Canelo and, and Triple G or, you know, uh, any combination of those, those, those three guys, that's, it's going to have it all on the line. Um, I don't know necessarily that, that, you know, if Golovkin presses that mandatory and doesn't get the Alvarez fight next and he fights Andre, I'm not sure he beats him. Well, I don't think he does beat him. The, the thing is that, you know, trilogies, you know, you get excited about them when they are, like, great fights, right? So right. you think of, like, Pacquiao Marquez, right? Or uh, the, the trilogy that uh, Marquez's brother was involved with. Marquez Vasquez, um, Marquez one through Vasquez. three. Whew. Yeah. Come on. Like, these are fights that were you really clamoring for, for a trilogy. I wasn't clamoring for Pacquiao Bradley three, right? Yeah, I yeah. wasn't clamoring for a rematch. Honestly, my level of interest in Triple G Canelo was lower than it was for Pacquiao Bradley three, and that that's actually saying a lot. Now, I wasn't if, excited about that fight at all. If Triple G goes out and knocks Demetrius Andre out and looks a little different in doing it and does it yeah. like hashtag Kronk style, now that he's got Jonathan Banks as his trainer, um, you know, then I'm I'm interested, and it's for all the belts, and let's do this thing next. Before, hashtag you know, the, not going to happen. Hashtag <laughs> avoiding top, top level competition. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look. Hashtag marketing guy, style. The guy, you know, hashtag, you know, or, you know, uh, stealing, stealing Mexican identity and, you know, not representing it very well. Um, I mean, look. That's funny. He proved who he was when he refused to fight Devrinchenko, right? And I know the last time I called on, I went off about this a little bit, but he's further proven who he is by taking on a guy that I don't think anyone has heard of. I, I've never, I'd never heard of Steve Rolls. No. Right? Uh, I mean, We're all rolling I, and around guy, trying to figure I'm that out. <laughs> literally, I'm a guy literally who was, who was trying to find video footage of uh, Lunga Makabu versus um, Mike Perez from the Congo this weekend. You know what I mean? Like, that's how much right. of a boxing nerd I am, right? The Jeez. same uh, Lunga Makabu that dropped Tony Bellu when, he, when Tony Bellu won the WBC Cruiserweight title, right? He, and, and I don't know who the fuck Steve Rose is, right? So you're going to sell me that, Mr. Mexican style, Mr. Hashtag all the belts and all of the other nonsense. Look, he, he, he lost me. And... You guys kind of went into this um, as as well last week. Look, you know, it often surprises people that I'm part Mexican because I'm black, but my granddad was from was from Mexico, and 
you know, the appropriation that occurs, right, whilst at the same time uh, there's all of the bigotry and the anti-immigrant sentiment and the idea that people should earn less than they're worth, the type of stuff you talked about yesterday, uh, sorry, last week, Gabe, um, you know, uh, he essentially just used Gabe a- Abel Sanchez, right? Um, and then you can say, oh, well, he's bigger than he was before, and his entire identity and boxing style was the result of, uh, of Abel Sanchez. And if you're going to appropriate culture like that, well, you at least got to do it correctly. You know what I mean? It's like right. uh, Eminem is a rapper. Eminem's respected as a rapper because he is a very good rapper, right? So people respect him, even though he started off doing an art form or whatever that was considered to be that of another uh, group, right? But Triple G, I mean, what what is he doing here? Running, he's running away from opponents. He's, you know, you you saw him in the, uh, you know, all blingy and and flashy at the. Uh, I, honestly, it's not even the same guy <laughs> as, as that was presented to us at the beginning. Am I way off on this? No, I mean, it was interesting seeing the crowd boo him. I mean, it's kind of telling. I mean, it's you know, Canelo crowd. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I guess you know, Steve Rolls is probably. It's it's the getting to know you period. Get you know get back get right get a knockout uh, and 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 uh, and DAZN probably wants that kind of fight right off the bat. You know they need but, that uh, K, that KO uh, reel for DAZN. You know yeah. And so uh, you know we're gonna do that. But I mean you know Golovkin fans, um, you know especially people that pushed you know Sergio Martinez and Golovkin the the mythical fight that had never had a time slot or an offer from HBO. Never really had the right timing. One guy was on pay-per-view while the other guy was coming in as like the third fight late replacement. Um, you know, Golovkin is the mandatory. Push for the fight with Andre. That's, you know, it doesn't make any other sense for Canelo and Triple G to fight if there's not a, all the belts you, on the line. You know, you know what? I, I mean, with, with the way Triple G looked with all the bling and everything, I don't have a problem with it, to tell you the truth. Um, I mean, look at Canelo. He had the biggest, you know, big signing with the zone. And you know what? Yeah. He still fights like a guy that, that is looking for a big payday. As long as Triple G gets in there and fights like a guy that's looking for a big payday, I'm okay with it. You know, money changes but it, but you. Dave, absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dave, I'm sorry to interrupt, but he already has a big payday. He's making $15 million to fight a guy no, that no, no, no one's ever I, I, I know that. What I'm saying, what though, that Canelo has a huge payday, but he still fights like yeah. a guy like he, you know, that he's oh, trying to earn. What you're you, you know what and I'm saying? He, yeah. he also not, he's also not wearing you know, dark sunglasses late at night on TV. <laughs> that was pretty trippy. I was like, is he, does he want – I don't understand. Is he sleeping? What's going on? And then you just kind of threw shade at him. now. He's a superstar. I get it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a right. bit of a heel turn. You know, it's a bit of a Floyd thing. Uh, he's just always been a blunt, I think. It's a little bit of Costa Zoo to him like that. You know, uh, he's going to call it like he sees it. But I also think there's also a little bit of Chavez post-loss to Frankie Randall uh, going on. Kind oh, of blaming yeah. everything Chavez was not yourself. graceful at all. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, graceful I, at all. I would lost. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, you know, Triple G's nasty. That's what we like about him. He's Hagler-esque. He's Monzone-esque. Um, so, you know, show me a guy who minds losing, I'll show you a loser. Or doesn't mind real losing, I'll show you a loser. Against, you know? Real nasty against uh, Martyrosian. Not so nasty against... Uh, Jacobs or Canelo. <laughs> or Jacobs or Canelo, exactly. 
and clearly not too nasty against Andrade, who he doesn't seem to really want anything from and obviously isn't pushing for a hashtag all the belts. Um, Kasimuma, he, you know, gave him, yeah. uh, what, four? That was a hell of a fight. Uh, that's kind of his first, like, real kind of baptism-type fight. Uh, Triple right. G's quality, you know, but I, I'm I'm very curious to see what it's going to be like going forward. He's going to be training. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Radio Rahim uh, at Radio Rahim TVs on Twitter. Uh, and you know, on Second Out, they release his videos. Did interviews with Triple G, um, but also with Jonathan Banks, who's the new trainer. Um, I just, you know, he says that Banks is going to take him to the next level. I mean, you know, Banks is a is kind of one of those apprentice, you know, fighter trainers. Uh, you know, been around Emmanuel Stewart. You know, that's that's what his pedigree is. Uh, being with Klitschko as a, you know, the late replacement after the passing of uh, Emmanuel. Um, but is he going to take Triple G to that next level? I wonder. Like, what is? I don't know anything about his training. You know, style. You know, is he? I mean, kind he of like helped the out and he makes people... a lot. I mean, let's not take right. that away from him. You know, he he oh, did. That's true. He did. He did hone down uh, Donna Stevenson. I mean, when Donna's came in looking really raw, um, he, he helped him out. That's a great uh, point. With, That's you know, a great with straighter punches. You know, but the you know the thing is, is that after that, um, you know, Kalishko. I mean, how do you? I see people are really like you know bagging on him pretty bad because they're like, oh look what he did with Kalishko. I mean, but he didn't really do much. He couldn't really do much with a guy that's already kind of. Uh, uh, Olympic you know what I mean? gold medalist, very entrenched yeah. in his, his style. Yeah, and and we also didn't see the camp. He, he was obviously got him ready for the fight. He was definitely yeah. ready for the fight. You know, it's just the way the fight went. And that's that's not on the, you know, some, at some and point on the fighter. Here's the thing, too. You had a heavyweight champion of the world who had just lost his trainer, a guy that he's been with for so many years. You know, do you really think his mind was right to listen to a, a new guy and try to hear exactly what the new guy is going to say and what he's going to, you know, try to implicate into your training style? No. Yeah, you might even I, I, be running it through the Emmanuel filter every time he says exactly. something. Exactly. Would Emmanuel right. agree with that? Should I do that? I you know, he's already a chess player. He used to drive Emmanuel crazy. Um, you know, they should, they should do that on pay-per-view, Lennox versus uh, Klitschko, a chess. You know, chess is kind of taking off. You know, in terms of, <laughs> I'd actually watch that. I don't know if I'd that's, pay for it, but that's, anyways, a, great idea. Um, that's a great idea. How about well, boxing I mean, the last chess? Championship. It was contested between a guy from the U.S. and a guy from Sweden, I think, and it was like millions and millions of people watching it around the world mm-hmm. online. Anyways, I digress. So, the only person I see uh, Jacobs legitimately being able to fight that has any kind of a name at all at 168 is Callum Smith, because he signed the match room. Right? Gilberto's with top rank, Caleb Plant and Durella with the PBC. And honestly, I see Callum Smith dominating and potentially, you know, knocking out um, uh, Daniel Jacobs. I mean, Callum Smith is a big, highly skilled 168-pounder. You're sending Danny right out straight at the guy that's the toughest guy. But ignoring, don't you think that? Well, I actually, actually you're right. He's the only other one that's on the zone. My bad. Yeah. He's with Al yeah, Heyman, I mean, but he's in a different universe. Well, yeah, but even Chris Eubank, does Danny have a deal with the zone? Uh, does he have a deal with the zone? He does. Yeah. Or does Eddie one. Hearn have a deal with the zone, and Danny's with him, which is a I've different thing. I've heard him mention that he signed to the zone. 
Okay. I'll hmm. have to, I'm not doubting but, you. Uh, you, you, know, I'm not you a, are. I'm not in the business of things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I, I, if I remember correctly, Danny's with Match. Uh, uh, what's it? What is it? Uh, Matchroom. Uh, definitely with Matchroom yeah. USA for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, Which but I, Matchroom I, 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 USA has to deal with the zone. Yeah, January 18th, 2019. Mm. Uh, uh, we'll just give credit to Mike Smith for maybe printing a press release on uh, Boxing News 24. Um, Daniel Jacobs signed a three-fight deal with Eddie Hearn's Matchroom Boxing USA Zone Company, head of his unification with Canelo. So a yep. third fight. Uh, yeah, so he's got two more fights after this then, right? Ah, yeah. Sounds like it. Uh, if, Eddie, if Jacobs Eddie, wins, then his Eddie. second fight of his deal would be a rematch. If he loses, then Hearn will likely have him challenging uh, Demetrius Andre, who badly needs to start fighting named guys. So he might yeah. lo- he might lose up in this, which is kind of a trip. But uh, that might just be speculation by the writer. And I, I think my logic, you know, logic dictates that Triple G's got to take that that chance. And uh, Selecki's fighting, uh, you know, Demetrius Andre next, right? And then we got uh, uh, once that's cleared and, and Triple G rolls is cleared, it's just clear that that's the fight that's going to happen. Yeah, I'd like to see that more than I'd like to see Triple G uh, Canelo, for sure. I, I just, I just am not interested in that. No, but, that storyline needs to be reignited, uh, and there's only one way to do it: is you know, is get a belt. You know, uh, it was also uh, of Triple G's uh, Ready Rahim's interview with Triple G, uh, and the quote from it is "Stop calling me son" <laughs> by Triple G. Uh, you should check it out. It's, uh, it's on my time. Radio Raheem does some good stuff. I, I mean, you every time you mention your his name, I think your people too. Your people too. <laughs> to this day, Radio Raheem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, to this day. That was a great I mean, stuff, man. I, was I, great it was stuff. it was awesome. Oh, anyway, guys, I really appreciate you getting me on. Um, I've got to take off, but. Uh, Later on, I'll listen to the rest of the show on uh, on the uh, podcast. All right, my friend. Good luck. Peace. All right, you take care. Thank you. All right. I put a poll up in the Bronx. I put a poll up uh, immediately after the fight, and uh, asking folks uh, to vote who they would want Canelo to step in the ring with next. And the names I put was obviously uh, Dimitri and then uh, uh, Golovkin and Smith and. Surprisingly, uh, Andrade and Golovkin were neck to neck, but as of right now, Dimitri is ahead by, you know, uh, what it's 47 to 43, so 47. So he's up by four. Uh, Smith is not it's in the 20s. But you know what I forgot to put on there, and people had pointed it out to me, was B.J. Saunders. Canelo versus B.J. Saunders. I tell you what, I, I would actually like that fight if they were to sign on and go on and make that fight to happen. Uh, you imagine the buildup between uh, in, in that fight there. I think if anybody right now that can get underneath the skin of Canelo next to what Triple G has done, uh, it could be B.J. Saunders. I think the next thing that's going to get under Canelo's skin is going to be a doctor fixing his knee. He's going to be out <laughs> for a while. Man, did that um, knee brace blend in with his color of skin pretty good or what? That's pretty good. You dope. really got to yeah, look at it. Like, yeah, yeah that, was, that, was, that was nice. I, uh, I was like, what, what uh, Yeah, what that? shade do you want? Yep. Canelo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, give me one in can- <laughs> give me a piece, uh, uh, When you said uh, I put a poll up after the fight, I thought you were talking about in your, in your oh, new podcast studio. In my new like pod- you do a little, yeah, little yeah. pole dancing aerobics in, in Dave's studio there. 
Um, I would, should we go I would, but I have bad hands, you know, unfortunately. They're very <laughs> brittle. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's patch in another fight fan here on Leave the Ring really quick before we go on to our next subject. All right, then. Uh, 619, you're live on Leave it in the Ring. Hey, what's up, Dave? It's Juan from San Diego. What's up? What's up, Dave? How are you? How's San good, Diego? Uh, good, dude. It's uh, actually hot outside. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, it's warm. And, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but I'm in, in Chula Vista on the eastern side where um, yes. it's lake. So it gets really hot over here. So um, I, on Mondays, I work from home, and I get to stay here. And my house was a little cold. I went outside. I was like, oh, my God, it's freaking hot. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the fights uh, this week and, of course, um, Triple G and, uh, and everything that's happened this, uh, you know, these uh, last two weeks. I've, I've been, you know, kind of uh, interested in talking about several things. Specifically, I wanted to start off with the fight. Uh, I thought the fight was, you know, I, I, I was scoring it and uh, – I was I didn't even drink a beer or anything. I was just 100% focused on the fight, and I was I thought I I, I, gave, I, I uh, scored the, the fight a draw, which you know I, I would, in hindsight I, I think I gave way too much credit to Danny Flores. Uh, I never felt he was the winner of the fight. I always felt that Canelo was a winner, but my score simply looked six six. I don't know why, but uh, we were uh, like four or five people here. In really? My house and most of yeah yeah. Most, I've uh, had that happen here. before. It's, it's a weird thing, yeah. right? You look down and you're like, but wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> no, I, I was like, well, how did I score this 6-6? Six, six? But uh, two of uh, – we're four guys here watching the fight. My friend, uh, he scored it for Jacobs, which was kind of uh, – you know, how, how did that happen? He's a good – like, he knows boxing. He, he, he just was Adam, was that your up. house? Uh, one of my sons. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple of guys, a couple of guys that were Canelo fans, they scored it, like, really wide. To, towards uh, right. and, I, and, and I noticed that what happened, <laughs> and, and the same thing happened last week with uh, with the, the zone uh, broadcast with uh, the Rombasai Estrada fight. Uh, the guys that are, are um, in the uh, you know uh, the commentators, Brian Kelly, uh, and Sergio Mora, and I don't know uh, Chris Maddox, or I don't remember who the, the third one was, but they are all three are scoring the fight. All three are talking about their score. All three are like. Like every round talking about it, and I think that influences you uh, as a as a right. viewer. Uh, like with HBO, you have the unofficial scorecard with Harold Leatherman, and everybody else didn't like have a scorecard, like putting the score. Sometimes some someone would say, "I have him up," but they would never say uh, one thirteen, one thirteen, whatever. They didn't go into such specific numbers. With uh, with the zone, they're doing that, and they're doing it and talking about it all the time. And none of them are professional scorers. They're commentators. And right. most of them, you know, are not 100% concentrated on scoring the fight, which tends to be a little misleading, like the Estrada fight. I thought it was a really close fight. And these guys had it wide. Like, like it was like 117 to, to 111. And the fight was not that wide. It was a legitimately close fight. It ended up being a, a, a couple-round fight because Estrada, you know, started losing rounds after the sixth round, but these guys had it wide, and I'm sure you know two, three, four people watching it are like, "Oh, Estrada won easily." What about those scores? All the inboxing, you know, because of the commentators. That happens a lot, and I feel like I was influenced by the scores that they were giving. I thought they were giving way too much credit to Canelo, and I was like, "No, this can't be. It can't." Like I, I started doubting myself, and 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 I, and I thought I. 
I was thinking, you know, the zone needs to to stop doing that. Just have one guy that has like an official score, like everybody else does. They need to get and these guys. Concentrate. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. Yeah, and these guys just concentrate on the fight, but also cut down on the the talking. Like, yeah, let definitely. the fight speak for it, freaking self. And, and I don't need, you know, I'm watching TV, and there's probably nobody only listening to the audio. So I don't really need uh-huh. to hear every call of a missed shot or, you know, uh, yeah. or, or a landed yeah. punch. Like, you know, just kind of, I don't know. And, and I think that's half of the problem, uh, Gabe. Uh, remember Teddy Atlas saying, this is one of the worst robberies ever. He starts, like, ranting after the fight and makes everything look worse than it really is. You know, like yeah. the Triple G fight against Canelo. It was a close fight. It wasn't well, a they harped on, 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 on Jacobs yeah. in the Southpaw stance and how ineffective it was. And, and, and yeah, I like Brian Kenny. Like, I, I think he's, he's one of the guys that I kept, you know, casual fans interested in boxing. Like, he was great for it oh. on ESPN. But um, he, he, he kind of fell into a Lampley trap of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack this one point. And Sergio Mora said, "Hey, he—that's what he stopped me with—was getting into the switching into the right hand or the left hand stance and catching me with the right hook. He's very effective at it. You know, he he made Triple G stop in his tracks, but it was like we couldn't admit that that Triple G was befuddled by the left-handed stance of Danny Jacobs. That was a close fight. I thought Jacobs won. I still do. I still say to any any Triple G fan that disagrees with me." Watch the last 20 seconds. Watch Triple G get hurt by Danny Jacobs by the left hook, and his legs go when he tries to punch at Jacobs, and he falls into Jacobs at the end of the fight. That's the end of the fight. Jacobs won that fight. But, uh, you know, and and Brian, like, just instead ignores that and kind of just kept hammering away. just didn't think it's effective. And I think what he's missing is, like, when you watch Terrence Crawford do the same thing, it's like they become two different fighters. You're tapping into your right brain or your left brain. And so it's two different styles. Uh, when they're in the right-handed stance, they're a little more technical, a little more aggressive because they're behind uh, more of a traditional jab and a guard. When they go into the left, it's a little more creative style and a little more fluid. It is a little more leaky, but uh, usually like they can see the angles better and like get in that straight left and the right hook because the other guy's not used to it. Uh, and that, I thought, was kind of a basic thing that, that he just harped on and harped on for no reason. You know, but uh, yeah, and, and the other thing about the fight, uh, I thought that Jacobs, I, I thought Canelo clearly won the fight, uh, regardless of my score. Uh, no I question, he won the, the fight. Yeah, and 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 what I I was seeing with Danny, I was kind of confused why he was changing stances. But you're right, I remember that somebody mentioned here in my house. Oh no, he did that with Triple G. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Didn't remember that. I, I watched uh, him do it what, when uh, he was training out in the wild card uh, before he uh, he realized, you know, before his cancer like paralyzed him and he began that journey. Um, this is when I did a video game show with him. I don't know if you ever saw that. We did a, a, a show called Fighter vs. Rider where I played EA Sports Fight Night against oh, Danny, cool. and Danny played himself. <laughs> I know that. Oh, I'll, well, cool. I'll, I'll throw the video up on my, my timeline if you want to oh, see awesome. it. Oh, awesome, uh, awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very weird thing. I got kind of criticized for doing something with the fighters, but I thought it was hilarious. It was a hilarious way to review the game. Um, uh-huh. So, But he was training there at the wild card, and he was fighting – and sparring like, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a Southpaw for like long stretches. Uh-huh. Um, and okay. remember like okay. asking him about it. So he's, it's something that he's developed over the long haul. He always wanted to be, 
you know, a fighter from from uh, Brooklyn, you know, he uh, he or from Brownsville rather, um, he wanted to. Um, was that the same thing, Brooklyn Brownsville? Um, he he wanted to uh, be a complete fighter. He wanted to be that kind of you know garden fighter, and, and you know. I think that's part of it. I don't think there's anything wrong with fighting out of the uh, uh, different stance. No. Sometimes you know how to do no, it, and you okay. don't get yourself in trouble when you're trying to do it. Um, and if it's effective, I mean, it works for Terrence Crawford, and it worked for Danny Jacobs yeah. against Golovkin. So yeah, as long as but, you're not as long as you're not Eric Morales in the last 12, round against Manny Pacquiao, <laughs> just trying to be a jerk, that's okay. You know? but well, just finishing with that's that a beautiful thing now. Yeah, it was funny, and it was, it was great at the moment. But it was kind of dumb because he could, he could have gotten knocked down there. But, again, uh, that was pure entertainment. But uh, just get, getting my thoughts out of the way for the, the fight, I thought the main problem with Danny was that – and I saw that with a Triple G, too. I thought that was the main difference. I don't think he sits well with his punches. He doesn't put the full force. He's just too tentative. And what he actually does, he does damage. I think he, he caught Canelo a couple of times in the – in a, a few rounds where he actually did it. But most of the fight, he's just, like, not sure of himself. Like, he doesn't seem to be 100% sure of that he's doing I think the that right goes, thing. And, again, I think that contributes to the weight loss, you know, him cutting be, the weight, you know, to make it to 160 and then rehydrating and getting his body. That's what I mean by waking up. Um, if you watch him, it takes him about five to six rounds for him to finally kind of see that, hey, I'm in a fight. And he starts letting his hands go, and he feels more like he's gelling, you know, gelling, you know, jamming with it. Um, I, I, I really believe that it, it, it contributes from something like that, you know, um, because you yeah. have to get – go ahead. Yeah, I want to say something about the weight. And, and, and I was listening to you guys before I got in, and, and I was thinking about that. I have no, absolutely no sympathy for him. Because he put himself in that situation, and that's the Absolutely, problem yeah. with a lot of a lot of boxers right now. These guys drain themselves to get an advantage, but guess what? It also becomes a disadvantage at one point, and now he's at that point, and he needs to make a decision. And if that brought him to a loss, it also brought him a lot of wins. So uh, he now needs you know, probably needs to move up. Now the second thing I wanted to talk about is Triple G. You know, I am a big Triple G fan and been a big Triple G fan since I, the first time I saw him. And uh, I noticed a couple of things the last few weeks. And I know that you guys uh, have mentioned the whole Mexican appropriation thing, which I don't really, I don't really care. I'm Mexican, and I, don't, I never even think about that. I, I like the guy in the ring. I really don't pay too much attention to what they say outside the ring. But I did, I did notice a couple of things. I think that the zone is actually, and I think they're playing with a new persona for the guy. Like the guy now with the sunglasses and the, and the, and the and, and during the fights, the guy speaking Russian only. The guy um, tweeted. It's like when he right when Floyd moved fight, to Showtime. Exactly, he he tweeted something that was pretty un- uncharacteristic about it, uh, that yeah. I've never seen him do. Like criticize immediately going to the offensive. Then the commentator said, "Oh, here's the bad boy instead of the good boy." Remember they used to call him the good boy because he said. Wait, that yeah, after he immediately got booed. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, remember this: the zone is a is a European base. Uh, you know, platform. So it, it could be absolutely. You, you might be onto something. No, I think and, it's and it's, that, it's just you know, it, Emilcar pointed it out too. He was like, you know, am I am I wrong? And it, you know, come to think of it, yeah. When have you ever seen Triple G like that? He was used to be the. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, the the interview with Radio Rahim. I mean, he was wearing a like a yellow jacket, but like, 
you know, he he uh, he spoke only in Russian. You're right. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's could, like no, go ahead. No, he went he went at it like he went like directly to say uh, Abel is just playing games and just being a very like un, Dude. Un, unlike how he was marketed before. And yeah, I. I think they're playing uh, the, the the game, and, and and I think it's good because it, you know putting him as a villain is going to make like give him way more uh, you know appeal for the casual. Well, a lot of casual Mexicans hate him, like absolutely hate him, and uh, and a lot of uh, Mexican Americans love him. You know, there's a lot of it's going to strike interest again. Absolutely, more, yeah. yeah. There's more Mexican Americans that like him than real like. Mexican nationals. Mexican nationals absolutely, don't like absolutely. him. Absolutely. They, they right. probably don't know him that much. So uh, I think now they're thinking, well, now Abel is gone. Now we need to figure out a new marketing uh, persona for this guy because we need to make money. We're paying him a lot of money. And it looks obvious to me. I was just like, holy shit, this guy is not the same. And he probably isn't even the old good boy. He, that, that probably was a marketing scheme too. So, I think yeah, there's no question. It was shrewd marketing, man. I mean, <laughs> true. You know, yeah, it's, it's true, he, had a, he had a style. Yeah. It's supply mm-hmm. and demand. Yeah. Mexicans don't have a Chavez. Yeah. He fights like a Chavez. And it was like boom, perfect. But let me ask you this: Is it you know, as yeah. a fellow Mexican American, do you grow up in California too? Um, I, br- I grew up in I grew up in Tijuana. I'm, oh I'm yeah. Mexican, I'm, born in you're Mexican. 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 Okay. Yeah. I'm is it that here. you don't mind, or that we're used to it? I was at Target. On my way to the theater on Saturday, right? Just a quick story. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was Cinco de Mayo, and um, or about to be. And uh-huh. my wife and I are coming down the elevator, and I see this white dude in a like a it must be like a soccer, you know, uh, like a you know sweatshirt, Mexico. And he's saying real loud as we're like approaching the aisle to like buy my stuff. I was just buying like cards for I was going to write cards for all the other actors, right, for opening night. Uh, it was actually, no, it was Sunday. It was Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh-huh. the guy's like really loud goes, uh, oh, you know, I-, I came here looking for some piñatas, but I couldn't find them. And I'm just oh. thinking, you know, you're in gentrifying, rapidly gentrifying, like only 6% left, I think, of Hispanics, you know, or 6% black, I think even less uh-huh. or equal of uh, Hispanics in San Francisco, uh, you know, of all places. And uh-huh. uh uh, you can't figure out to go to the mission. Go to like 24,000 Mexican mission. shops are. Yeah, I was like, dude, you may want to take the Mexico shirt off, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I just, I was like, and I, and I walked up and like he was getting something. It was like at the self checkout, and he's like right next to me on my left, and I, I was thinking all that in my head, like you know, um, you might want to go to 24th Street and the mission. You know, right now Mexican businesses could really use your support. Uh, but I just couldn't look at him, and we just fucking left. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I, maybe I'm, I was used to it, but I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. But you know, I'm also yeah. uh, on the way to the theater. I don't want to get all mad at somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't pay too much attention to those things. I, I just think that people, like, there's people, bad and good people everywhere. Some people are just gonna have fun and whatever. Some people are just gonna be assholes, you know. And uh, and the whole Cinco de Mayo thing is not is, is really not a thing in Mexico. We don't even think. No, about it's, it. not. it's not. A, no, it's, not it's a, a thing holiday. that happened, but it's not a thing. Yeah, know? it's an American holiday. Like it is an American holiday. It's, 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 it's an American holiday. People use it as an excuse to get drunk, and that's it. Whatever. I, I remember the that's, first. I, I think yeah. it's five years. And in my job, I have a lot of. Uh, most of them are white. 
and, and, and I'm very good friends with everybody. Have fun, whatever. Nobody's thinking about, you know, we're not talking about those things. But I remember the first time that Cinco de Mayo came about, like, hey, are we going to celebrate? And I'm like, um, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'll go I'll go down and have a beer. I don't care. And and we had fun, and, and, and then we started talking about it, and they were like, you don't celebrate that? No. They were, like, they were actually surprised. And we talked well, about it's, it. I mean, what it is, it's not Mexican Independence Day, which is in September. No. It it commemorates uh, the Mexican Army's victory over the French Empire at the Battle of yeah, Puebla la, la, la. on May, May la, la, 5th, 1862. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, which is a pretty great you thing. Know, you know, we'll anytime you can beat the French, I say it's a great <laughs> thing. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not going to get too crazy Gabriel. about it. Hey, show your colors, Mato. Yeah. Well, I just want to finish. <laughs> I just want to finish with a couple more things and and, and let you guys go. I, uh, you were, you know, we we were talking about the the Canelo, uh, how good he is right now, or what's his position, and you know, and and the and you know the pound for pound list and whatever people want to talk about, and 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 you know the guy, the guy. I'm not a fan. I don't like him personally. But I don't care about that. I told you already that whatever the guys say outside the ring, I really don't care about it. I like what I see inside the ring. That's what matters to me. And in the sport of boxing, I'm a fan of boxing. I, I right. sometimes become a fan of a boxer. There's been like five over the course of the 30 years I've been watching. Chavez, of course, uh, James Tony, Eric Morales, Gennady Golovkin. And, and I think that's about it, that I've become like generally like fans and I follow them. But I follow the whole sport. So I really don't care. Sometimes I remember I hated Holyfield, then I loved him, then I hated him again. And, and it was just kind of like, it doesn't matter. Loved Holyfield, so dude. These guys are, yeah, these I, guys are. I loved Holyfield, you know. Until I met yeah. him. Oh, yeah. No, I hated him. That, when that I changed liked, my like, whole perspective of the guy. <laughs> when I was right? a kid, when I was a kid, I, was, I, I started watching boxing because of Mike Tyson because of the video game. And, uh, and I was eight, nine years old, and I saw him in person, and I was this guy is real? I, I couldn't funny. believe it. And that's how I became a fan. And Holyfield <laughs> was the guy they were always comparing him to. So I hated right. Holyfield. I was like, no, that's the, that's the bad guy. But then when I started, like, really watching boxing, I, I found out that the guy was a great fighter, and, and I fell in love with him. But uh, in the end, what I'm trying to say here is that right now, if I tell you that if Gennady Golovkin and Canelo fight, I'm going to be rooting for Canelo, I'll be – I'll be a liar. I would be a liar. I would be rooting for Triple G because I'm a fan of them. But right. I don't care about specific guys in the end. These guys are going to eventually lose and fade away, and then others are going to come back in. It doesn't matter. To me, what matters is that if Canelo wins against Triple G, I want him to win. I want him to get his hand raised. But if the other guy wins, I want him to get his hand raised. Like I want, it, I want to see the right guy win, no matter if it's the guy that I'm not rooting for. I just want the sport to do good, and I also want that the the, the right guy wins because you want closure. Go a lot. That's what you want. I want closure. I want right. to see. That's the only thing I don't see with Canelo. I don't see him getting that win the way like Marcus beat Pacquiao, like the one Chavez uh, beat Taylor, the way Eric Morales outboxed um, Pe- Manny. But you know, like right. a, the fight that really gives you the satisfaction. That, wow! Now he's a legend. Now he stepped into the to the next uh, level. Yeah, the win against Jacobs is great for his resume, but he did not, like, do what people wanted to do yet. And I think that's what... I don't think he him. ever is, right though. Now, Honestly, yeah, I just... That's not his style. Else. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Canelo, exactly. Canelo, look, Canelo is a boxer, um, but I don't even... I can't even... I was telling somebody this today, uh, earlier. I can't even remember who I was talking to, but I was telling them, like, you know... 
when you look at a certain style of, of, of Mexicanos, how they fought, uh, Canelo didn't, doesn't really produce the way Eric Morales used to come in, the exactly. way Chavez used to come in. Even like Barrera, I mean, he's got a killer instinct, but he's very methodical and he and he kind of um, thinks before he plants, which I like. He's, he's a not, very good fighter. He is a very good fighter, and he's a very good thinking fighter, you know. And 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 he's only going to take risks if he has to, you know. So you're not going to see this guy go for broke. He tried with Danny Jacobs. If you watch that seventh round, he came out. I believe it was the seventh round where he decided to put some real pressure. And then when he realized when he was that he was reaching for Danny and he was getting clipped, he went he re, he reverted back to what he was doing and what was working. And that's the Canelo you're gonna get. And I, I don't ever think you're ever gonna get a killer Canelo. You're just gonna get no, what you see now. That's, no, that's he's kind of he white Floyd. A, yeah, and I and what I <laughs> well, you know, is what pale well, skin I'm Floyd. get to into you know is that he is the the best fighter in the world right now, proven in the ring. With yeah. With record, not with uh, you know, not mythical pound for against, pound. Yeah, yeah. No, he is the best fighter in the game right now. Even if I didn't like the second fight against Golovkin, I scored for Golovkin, but he beat him in the ring. He, it was a close fight, but he did beat, beat the boogeyman. And in the end, to me, that is bigger and than any guy on all those guys' records. And even if I don't think he is my, even if he's not my favorite fighter, I do acknowledge him as the best. And I think that as long as people are not expecting, expecting him to be a Marcus, a Morales, a Chavez, and people start appreciating who he really is, a defensive counterpuncher with a great defense and good functional power, then people are going to start appreciating who he is, a very, very good fighter. That's you know, I, I'm, I'm with you on the, on, the, on the third fight because of the fact, like you said, closure. You know, uh, the boogeyman was out-boogied. In a lot of people's eyes, and, and, and I'm not completely convinced on both guys. You know, I think in any given night, whoever has the better, like the slight edge of a better night, is going to win, and that's what makes it really competitive between the two. Is Triple G uh. getting older? Yeah. Is Canelo kind of uh, uh, finding his 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 real natural weight? Absolutely. You know, so I, I'm with you on. I'm not. If it happens. Trust me, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it, but if it doesn't and it doesn't happen till after a Dimitri's fight or a BJ Saunders fight or any other fight, I'm okay with it as well. He needs that he All needs right. that belt. I mean, that, the Triple G's up against the clock. He does need a belt. He needs a, right. he needs a belt and he, to to get that fight. And Canelo said that, so that there it is. You know, as much as Triple G's earned his spot and and earned that contract, uh, he's not in the driver's seat here. Uh, he's you know he's it, well, he's in a car. But you know he's in a chase scene, pursuing something. Uh, and I still believe you know, the old kind of mighty deep... dollar, though. I think that it's the old mighty dollar, if if the old mighty dollar keeps calling for it, which is the fans, I think Canelo will still, without the bout, if it's there, because if that persona is to make him a bad boy, just like we talked I just, about, it doesn't make any sense, though. Uh, you know, without it, I mean, without all the belts, I mean, and I just I think agree, you know, we live in a strange time and strange world in boxing. This universe of boxing is, is it's it never surprises me, you know. Um, we'll see. But I'm glad, I'm glad I'm glad these two guys are there because if they fight again, it's going to be a good fight. And and again, having those kind of guys at the top of the game to, to me it's better than having a Floyd. So again, thank you guys. Uh, great talking to you guys. Hopefully we speak to you again next week. 
Cool. All right, man. Peace. Thank you. Fight fans, you want to call in, certainly can. 347-215-7598. We're talking Danny Jacobs and Canelo Alvarez and Triple G here on Leaving the Ring. Want to patch in another caller here, uh, Gabriel? Uh, yeah. Uh, overseas, uh, you are live on Leaving uh, the Ring. Hello. Uh, hello, Gabe, Dave. How's it going? Uh, good. Hamid from the UK. Hey, Hamid. Yeah, how I, are you? Yeah, I'm good. I missed the beginning of the show. I, I caught a bit of a milk gas cold, but... I just wanted to know how did you guys score the fight the other day? Yeah, I I didn't I you know watched it enjoyed it felt that uh, but didn't get crazy on on scoring but I felt like it was an eight four fight something like that I, I didn't that's think it was seven score. five uh, you know but there was the some close score. that's your same score yeah that's how I scored it I thought the sky yeah eight four sounds very right. bad mm-hmm. I thought I, I gave Jacobs an extra round like I thought Canelo clearly won the first. Uh, the majority of the first six rounds. I think I gave Jacobs the third round, but but uh, the Sky commentary was bad. I mean, Froch had at the end of the fight, Froch had a draw, one fifteen, one fifteen. I think the mm. commentary was bad, but Sky mm. were too, too very biased towards Danny Jacobs. Like, <laughs> you know, I've, round, I've, wow, I've made a crazy. decision about commentary this weekend. Uh, Dave and I were talking about it, and that was fight today. You know, and I've decided that you know I can either watch a fight or I can get yeah. an imaginary argument with the announcers that I'm not agreeing with, um, and distract myself from the fight. Uh, and I'm just not going to do that anymore. Like it was kind of driving me crazy, and so I just kind of turned down the volume. I really enjoyed watching it this weekend without any sound. It sounds like the ultimate boxing nerd thing, but the commentary just gets in the way. Um, a draw? How do you have that fight a draw? That's what I was trying to see. The only other guy I've seen who thought it was either Drok or Jacobs. One, I think, was uh, from SM Boxing, Adam, I can't pronounce his second name. I think it's Abrahamovic. So, uh, Saturday Night Boxing? Is that what you're talking about? Adam yeah, Abramovitz. Yeah, he had, yeah, uh, he had it for, uh, for for Jacobs. And then he realized, he rewatched it and had it 115-113 for... Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a big swing, man. You had one guy winning it wide and then... <laughs> The other guy all of a sudden winning after everybody was like, what are you saying? Uh, I like Adam, man, but come on, Adam. Come on. You didn't yeah, change I'd... your mind. <laughs> yeah, are you sure? I, I watched it again real quick. Yeah. Put my yellow sh- shades on. Had a couple of cacatas. I don't think it was a close fight. Like, you know, when Danny Jacobs fought Golovkin, even though he it got was... dropped, that was that was a really close fight. Like, I thought Jacobs won that live. I had to rewatch it to see who actually won. I, I still think that was a much closer fight. With this, I thought Canelo clearly won the fight. Like, don't get me wrong, it was competitive. It was a tight, one-sided yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah competitive. Was... I arguably closer, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say at the end of the fight they could have went either way. I thought there was clearly one guy, like clearly won a competitive fight. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would. I would. And, 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 you know, Danny, for whatever reason, fought that kind of fight where he left some things on the table. And even, I think, by the fifth, his trainer, Andre Rozier, was like, you know, don't do just enough to, to say you lost. You know, you got to you know, yeah. let, your, let, it, let your hand go. You got to get in there. And, and Danny started to fight with more purpose. I think it was maybe around more the seventh. And, and he came out in the eighth and he started to let his hands go and and start to be quick on his feet. But uh, again, I, I just think, yeah, the, the, the amount, who knows what they weighed on, on fight night, but the last time they put on, they said like 16 pounds, something like that. Mike Basil, the trainer told me, uh, who's also there for, for this time. So 
who knows? Maybe, you know, they always hope to put on like something like 15 pounds of, uh, to 16 pounds of, of, uh, water weight so they can carry it through the fight and have more energy, yeah. you know, more like water you can pack in more you, can, you know, carry more fuel you have through the fight. Uh, that's theory. Uh, in practice though, if you keep doing it past a certain age, maybe your body wants to be at a higher weight. Danny's a big guy. Uh, yeah, he's big. They list him at 5'11 and a half, but he always felt a little more taller than that to me. Um, and just a big frame. I've never understood how he makes the weight and how he's made it for so long. I mean, it's brutal. The thing that I didn't get was uh, in the first half of the fight, like the first six rounds, um, I think he, he he had to do that. Like people are saying he was shoe shining and he was running, whatever. I think that's a bit like being overcritical because I, I don't know. The, the thing that comes to mind is Danny Jacobs, I thought, did well in the first six rounds. He didn't win like out of think more than one or two rounds. I think I give him two, but I think he could have got knocked out. The thing is, is he hiding a bad chin? Because I don't think he has much confidence in his chin, like the way he's on his toes. No, I, he 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 took some shots in this fight. I mean, I just think he's not looking to get hit. You know, some upper that uppercut that he took late in the fight from from uh, from Canelo and some body shots, and still kept coming forward and, and trying to get his. Um, no, Danny. You know, people say he's got that bad chin. He got knocked down by a hard punter, uh, Dmitry Purak, who's kind of a shooting star. You know, that was as good as it got. But he also was held down by the ref trying to get up. You know? um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah uh, you know, and he still, you know, he said that to me after the fight, and he's kept his story straight, same, you know, uh, ever since. And, and uh, that's what the tape shows. So who knows what would have happened if he was able to get up? I, you know, who know, you know, we don't know. Um uh, so I, I don't know if he has a bad chin or if, you know, you just get caught sometimes in this game, like he did with Sergio Mora. Yeah, the thing I was trying to see, like the way he, I don't know if his chin then, if it's the balance, the way he throws his shots, he's, he, I don't I don't think he sits on his shots. Like he slaps, it, to me it looks like a bit more than he should because I, I think he's a good puncher, but when he boxes, he doesn't really... I don't know, like, if you compare... His punches look weird. He gets out of position. Yeah. He gets out of position. Yeah, that's, that's, that's his biggest yeah, he problem. Does. Yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah. I've said that true. prior to the Triple G fight, was that Danny was going to need to not put himself in, in awkward positions along the ropes, particularly, where he's going to get knocked down. And he got knocked down along the ropes in an awkward position. Um, you know, but he also recovered us. As, you know, he, he tried to say, you know, that Bird denied him. And you saw him in the Triple G fight that he got up and boxed pretty well the rest of that round. Um, I agree with that. I think he's, I just, think... he's good on the move, he, but he waits too long. The defense, especially as you get older, maybe less aggressive, uh, your reflexes, all of a sudden you, get, you start falling in love with your defense and think that that's the thing that's going to win you the fight. He does those punches weird. He doesn't fully turn over. I don't, people call it slapping. You would be yeah. stopped by the ref if you were actually slapping. Uh, with an open glove. Uh, what he does is not fully turning over the shot at, at an angle that everybody else finds appropriate for punching. But it sure works for him. He's knocked people out like like that. Knocked out Caleb Truax in the twelfth round. You know. So that's not a guy. That's a guy that's like a durable trial horse. It's going to be like a gatekeeper. You know. I agree. With yeah, you like I said. Uh, all right. no. well, I was just going to say, I agree with you because against Golovkin, people are saying he was doing the same thing, but I don't think that because against Golovkin, I thought he outboxed him in the majority of the rounds. I think he, I thought he lost the fight in the 12th round because I think Golovkin finished strong, but 
Against Canelo, I think he was more a bit more fundamentally flawed. Like the way he was, uh, his technique was a bit off. Like, against Golovkin, I don't think he was the same. Well, here was two things that 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 you could point out in the Golovkin fight. Golovkin didn't go for the body; he used his jab yeah. a lot. With Canelo, Canelo went to that body religiously, and Danny felt it. And made Danny kind of, you know, backpedal and kind of rethink what he was going to throw. You know, when he did the pity pat jab, uh, a lot of times I, I, I sat there. I know some folks were like, why is he doing that? Well, he was cautious of the return. I mean, you're talking about one of the best counter punchers in the business. And when Danny missed, Canelo most more likely made him pay that night. You know, um, I was telling this to Gabriel before we went on the air. I said, you know. We when we think of low uh, uh, slow starters, uh, for a lot of reasons we don't we don't we're not we're not thinking of Danny Jacobs, but he's a slow starter. To me, he's a more fifteen rounder kind of fighter. He seems to come on yeah. really on those late rounds. I imagine if if we were still in the era of fifteen rounds, uh, would this be a different type of fight for Danny Jacobs? That's a good point. I think. Uh... I think his game plan wasn't the worst. Like uh, I've seen some people being a bit overcritical. I was rooting for him as well. Like I don't see how you could hate someone like that. Like someone right. come back from cancer to end in the streak of Triple G. I thought he gave Triple G a very good fight as well. I was rooting for him, but uh, like I agree with you, the fact that he is a bit of a slow starter. But I just think Canelo. I think Canelo was just much better on the night, uh, especially the first half of the fight, because I think Canelo did everything he was expected to do, like, he went to the body, the Canelo's jab impressed me as well, but the thing I don't get, like, some people are trying to, like, uh, disparage Canelo, because they were saying the the rematch with Golovkin was a robbery, and now they're trying to, some of them are trying to say this fight is close as well, I don't think this fight was close, and the rematch with Triple G, I thought, I thought he beat him fair and square, I had to draw live, but I don't see how you could call that robbery because Canelo backed him up, and Canelo people people keep bringing up like um, uh, Golovkin managed to mark up uh, Jacobs's face, but if you're gonna go by stuff like that, then Canelo marked up both Jacobs and Triple G in the rematch as well. So, like I don't know if people sta- uh, they change the standards for when is their favorite fighters. Oh, they do. <laughs> they absolutely do change their stance when it comes to their fighters. Yeah, come on. You, uh, uh, come on, Ahmed, you know what that they do. <laughs> <laughs> come on. That's a good point. Uh, this is boxing. That's, That's what everybody does. This is the you know, head, head uh, movement. You know, it's just... Head it was, movement yeah. and body punching was the, was the story of the fight. You know, what Max Kellerman would say. That was the story of the fight. That That confused Danny Jacobs. You got a guy that you had a guy that was moving his head really well, coming forward, uh, throwing body shots. Uh, when you jab, he would jab with you, and, and Canelo's jab was it was a, a stiffer and stronger jab, which was surprising when Danny's the longer guy. Um, like I said, Danny to me is just a very late starter, and when the, by the time he figures it out, and you saw that, I thought he started taking the tenth and eleventh. You know, uh, even the twelfth, it was a, it was very close. Um, when he starts figuring it out, it's just it's too late. It's too yeah, late. Tr- yeah, I gave him I think the third. I think I might have given him the sixth or seventh, and I gave him I think it was the ninth and tenth or eleventh. One of two of those rounds. Uh, I was thinking of Bob saying, do you think if Ward was still active and he was a light heavyweight or super middleweight, do you think him and Canelo would have been a fight that could have been made, or do you think there would be too much size? 
disadvantage. I think too much size. Uh, Ward is a very big guy. Um, I've, 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 me and Gabriel have met Ward numerous times. Stood right. I mean, he's a he's a big guy. You know, Ward. I remember talking to Ward when he just got out of the Olympics and he was fighting in the HP Pavilion in San Jose at the Shark Tank, and he was talking about that in a few years he wanted to go to heavyweight. Um, I don't know if he could have ballooned up that that much. But, I mean, you know, going to light heavyweight, obviously he did. And, you know, that I was able to see. He's a big, big guy. So so how big is Danny Tikas? Because I remember people are saying, like, the thing I don't get is after the Triple G fight, they start seeing he's a cruiserweight. And I thought that was oh, way that's more all nonsense. That's all nonsense. He was about, <laughs> just about 176. They're so whiny, the Gennatics. They, uh... <laughs> You know, they they just get all crazy and 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 the hatred uh, for and whiny. That, weird, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really crazy. just. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, you know, I don't get it. I don't I don't follow uh, that crowd and and just don't I just don't really get into it. You know, like I feel like my timeline is actually filled with some pretty intelligent people. You know, uh, Kurt Emhoff and uh, you know you Dave and and uh, just people I interact with. I, I don't I don't deal with trolls. Uh, if yeah. you, you seem like you're a troll and it's an anonymous account, like you're out, you're blocked. You're gone. Like, I just don't need that in, your, in my in my timeline, you know. Um, yeah. And I so I, you know, I, I I didn't see any of the the Danny Jacobs hate, but I can imagine it. And uh, sorry, styles make fights. You'd have to just erase that that axiom from boxing if you got rid of movers. That you know they exemplify that. Uh, yeah. There yeah. a specific style, and a lot of these guys. Uh, I'm not saying I'm the most experienced fighter in the world, uh, but I've been in the ring and enough to know kind of what my style is. And so until you've done that and experienced that, like just shut up, you know, if you don't know what your own style is, that's what I kind of think. And not to pull up, if you've never been in the ring, you don't, you can't talk about it, but kind of in this regard, you know, there's different ways to approach things. Why would you, if you're watching a guy with a knee brace, want to just stand there and trade with him? Don't you want to make him move? It's about that's it's boxing. Good, it's not stand and trading, you know. So how big is Danny Jacobs? Because he, I thought he's he like like six foot. Bigger. I would say they list him at five eleven and a half, but I'd say he's six foot, maybe six one. But you know, I'm five eight and three quarters. Everybody's tall to me, so. But he look. He was towering over Canelo. I was thinking he's probably but Canelo's he's probably only like five as, eight. Like yeah, he, I, I felt like he was as, as tall as me, or maybe shorter, like a, a straight five eight. You know, because uh, I was thinking if Danny doesn't get the rematch to Triple G, uh, middleweight now the fact that he's lost to Canelo, I think he might as well move up to super middleweight because I think that's the open division. Him and maybe someone like Benavides would be a really good fight, and he could maybe even clean that up before Canelo comes up. Because I think if Canelo comes up, he he got the potential to clean that division up. Yeah, I mean it's a long way till then. I I think that uh, he's got business at middleweight right now, and I think he he wants to be that Mexican unified middleweight champion, and it's right there in front of him. He's in the prime of his career. Um, you know, it's got a you know if Golovkin's able to beat Andre, he's he's beaten Golovkin before and drawn with him before. Although I thought he lost that fight, I thought he won the second fight. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, but but he's on the cusp of a giant giant windfall. Um, and so I, I, I just think a, that you know, 
but but also it makes me think of I was watching him and I'm like is he this is he fighting safe like a guy that's already made three hundred million dollars or that his three hundred million dollar or three sixty five is incumbent on him winning sort of like the way Floyd fight became you know and oh you know, he's, that's a good point. you know it's like you do lose a little bit of fire you're kind of protecting that but you know uh, he's always been that at was this a, pace. I thought that was a risky fight to take in your was it like uh, with Jacobs like yeah yeah I thought. Yeah, like I, I give him props. I give him props. That's why I've always rated him um, higher than even Golovkin. Even though I thought Golovkin might have won the first fight, because I think the guys he fought, like Trout, Lara, these guys were stylistically nightmares for him, and he fought him. Yep. I know Golovkin. Uh, people are saying could have fought Lara, but he didn't fight him. And there was other guys. Uh, even now, Andrade, Charlo, Triple G looks like doesn't want to. Well, I don't know if it's him or his team, but it looks like they don't want to entertain risky fights. And I think Canelo's always uh, took on fights that he didn't, he hasn't ha- had to, and that's why I think out the three, Jacobs, Golovkin, and Canelo, I think Canelo is clearly the number one guy. I would like to see a rematch between Triple G and Jacobs because I'm not too sure who the number two guy is at the moment because I thought uh, Jacobs gave him a close fight, and I don't think the rematch with uh, Golovkin and Canelo, Canelo was like... A, the outcry, like the people who are talking. I think Canelo won fair and square, so maybe that'll be a good uh, fight. Uh, what did you guys think of the undercard before? Because I thought that was a bit of a drag on. Um, well, we talked about the undercard a little bit on the earlier part of the show, but uh, I, I was very excited by Virgil Ortiz. I thought he, uh, or maybe we didn't. No, we talked about it earlier in the day, Dave. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, 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 Virgil Ortiz uh, Jr., man. I, I just I love watching this kid fight. You know, he's super dangerous. Uh, brings it very classic, no frills style. Reminds me, dare I say, a little bit of Tito Trinidad. Um, and the way he shoots that right hand, uh, but can come back with the hook. The, the way he interchanges those two punches is super dangerous, as we saw him just absolutely beat down and get out of there. Uh, Maurizio El Maestro uh, Herrera. I mean, he was playing chin music on, on El Maestro, and it was uh, man, brutal, brutal knockout. He was out before he hit the ground, and it was he put him asleep, a combination man, where he was up standing. Yeah, that's, that's something Frozen to say. Place. Exactly. You know, now granted that Mauricio is is past his prime, shouldn't have been there. We talked about this on last week, but you know that's what you're supposed to do with a gatekeeper. You know, he didn't you look good at the weigh-in. No, yeah. he didn't. He didn't. No, and, he looked like he made I mean, weight. I mean, he was in shape, but like the muscle tone, it was like, oh, shit, man. You know, yeah. this isn't going to be good. And, and, yeah, and, you know, I was impressed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just, wow. I mean, his his punches are are just hard, you know. And I like the way he carries himself. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing more and more of him. You know, I, you know, I think you mentioned this because we both had – we saw this on Twitter where folks were like – if 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 Ortiz had the mouthpiece of Tofimo um, Lopez, yeah. yeah, he he would be a you know a star. But you know, a mouth only gets you so far. The, what counts in the ring is what gets you to that legacy, you know. And that's one thing that my grandfather, my uncle, always used to talk about. You know, they loved their fighters that fought with their fists, not with their mouths, you know, because they're they're the guys that are going to be more memorable. And, you know, Ortiz is a throwback, uh, you know, first of all, he's Mexican. So he's going to come in with that Mexican mentality, which is be very humble and just do your job. Get the job done. And that's what he did on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I think I, I was more impressed with him than Tiafimo. I think Tiafimo has kind of, I don't think, I think he's been a bit overhyped. I think Virgil Ortiz needs to get a bit more exposure or hype around because he, to me, he looks like a guy at the moment who could probably compete with a lot of the top 10 welterweights. I was going to ask one more thing uh, before I do, before I go. Uh, you know, with this fight with Canelo and Jacobs, like I thought this was the biggest fight of the year, and it being on an app on the zone. Do you think Joshua Wilder, if that happens, do you think that could end up on the zone or not? Is it or is it too big of a fight? I don't see why it wouldn't be able to. But I mean, it all depends on the networks. Uh, you know, if Showtime um, wants to collab, uh, do a collaboration, which they've shown in the past with HBO. I think what it just boils down to is subscribers. Who's got the bigger fan base? And at the moment, I think Showtime is going to say they do. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I leave it up to those guys to figuring it out. You know, I hope wherever it ends up at, I'd like it to end up on zone because it's the cheaper cost. It's the more reasonable cost than paying a big pay-per-view, uh, uh, you know, amount of money. But All right, that's okay. Uh, did any of you guys catch the Batavia fight? Because I haven't still seen that. <laughs> great yeah, fight. I, I, yeah, great pretty fight. great. It's uh, you know, his opponent had a funky style, you know. I just think <laughs> in Baturbia fights like if the Rock'em Sock'em robots had legs, uh, you know, he just it's a little bit stiff. Uh, you always feel like somebody's going to hit him and pop his head off, but uh, you know, Baturbia came out with the Stockton slap. <laughs> <laughs> he came out with the Stockton slap, man. I mean, he was all over his opponent. Uh, if anything, yeah, Baturbia was. was basically telling. You know, Viturbi was telling me when I was watching it, he was like, you guys need to turn off the zone. You need to pay attention to what I'm doing. You guys, that was a chess match on the zone. This is a fight. And that's what he gave that's us true. on top rank, you know? Yeah, Kalajnik, yeah. that cat had, a, had just, he was just funky, man. Uh, they just, styles make fights, and sometimes just, you know, styles make awkward fights. And, and you know, it, it, was, it was tough. They kind of kept crashing into each other, but Terbiev is just—he's he's got rocks for hands, man, and he just kept letting them go. Jesus, he does, and you know, and just finally, uh, just it caught his opponent and got him and just got him going. And the ref was was pretty merciful in in, uh, in the stoppage. I, I was fine with it. Yeah, I was—I was just gonna say, I think I'd like to see him and Kovalev fight. If I think Kovalev and Yard are gonna fight, it looks like in June. So if Kovalev wins, that. That's a fight I really like to see. But thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for calling in. I don't know. Yeah, I got to tell you, man. But Paterbia as a light heavyweight. Um, the way we felt about Kovala when Kovala was knocking everybody out with a straight right, he looked like a beast. Paterbia, I mean, he's he does not only does he look like a beast, but he's almost like a mountain lion that just attacks you, and he doesn't stop. The guy doesn't stop. You know. Uh, on the on the co-main event was uh, Gabriel uh, Flores Jr., who came out and had a great reception, great job by them, over, what, 10,000 fans that showed up, um, and they got their money worth. Uh, Gabe Flores looked like he was planting his feet uh, a lot better than what he did in his last outing on, top, on a top-ranked card. I was very critical about him, still saying he's very young, 17. You know, I mean, it all comes down to matchmaking. You know, uh, they got the right opponent in front of him, and he got the showcase to his local fans uh, that if he gets the right guy, 
he can he can actually produce some uh, really exciting uh, KO reel, and that's what he did. So whoever went out there, man, um, you know they had a blast. Uh, but yeah, I, I I truly enjoyed the top rank card. I wish I could have went, but like I said, I had family come over for my birthday. But uh, I I watched it and I enjoyed it. You know, I was going back and forth. I had them both. I had the had the the Stockton card on my on one TV, and I had the zone on the other side to side, and. I was going back and forth. So, anyways, uh, want to patch in another caller? Sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, mi favorito. Five one zero. You're live on. Leave it in the ring. Hey Gabe. Hey Dave. It's Fernando. We're in Richmond. How you guys doing? What's Good, up, man? man? How you doing? Good, man. Uh, I'm sorry I missed out on that stocking card too, man. I wanted to go really bad, man. I really wanted to go. Which was would have been on Friday. You know? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to get out there, man, to the Central Valley to see a fight. We at some point, you know, there's going to be an open date, and we'll be able to do it. You know, uh, Fresno or Stockton or something. Uh, we got to represent. You know, we got we got to go check out uh, maybe uh, Jose Ramirez. You know, he fights uh, Maurice Hooker, maybe there. That might be something. Uh, they're talking about that fight. Uh, top rank is. What's um, on your mind? I grew up in. I grew up in Chico, oh. man, and my uncles, man, uh, they would go to all the fights in Sacramento all the time up in the 80s, man. They went to go see George Foreman when he had his first comeback. They went to go see all the Willie Joran fights. Willie Joran, Tony, the Tiger Lopez, all those fights, man. The Valley, they support boxing, man. They really have. They always will, you know. So, yeah, that's good, man. I'm really happy for them. They're having a bunch of good fights over there. Um, earlier, you guys were talking about, like, the zone broadcasters or whatever. And I said, like, a, a topic on uh, social media. Uh, I really have a problem with them. I really thought they were kind of right down the middle, you know. Uh, Chris Mannix was right down the middle. He's, you know, he's, he's a little more. Uh, he's a he's a journalist, right? So he was right down the middle. Uh, Sergio Mora, I felt like he was right down the middle. Also, he I like Sergio Mora. Brian I Dude, I, yeah. I really like Sergio Mora. I was yeah. telling that to Gabriel. I was like, because you know what? That's what I was bringing up about how folks were complaining about the commentary. Um, but I was telling Gabriel, I said, you know what, I, I, I can't really comment on it because I didn't really listen to everything. I was busy. But then when, when I did listen to certain things, um, I, 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 you know, my thing is this, is that, like Gabriel said, if, you, if you're watching a fight and you're solely going to pay attention with, to what they're saying, you're going to miss the action, you know, because you're going to get upset on whatever they're saying. Um, the only thing that I, I thought that was kind of weird is that when – when you saw like uh, uh, Lamont Roach Jr. fighting uh, uh, other guys that were in the ring, uh, you know, on the undercard, they were bringing up Danny Jacobs and Canelo throughout those fights. And I thought that was weird. I was like, these guys should be focusing on what's happening in front of them. You know, uh, it was almost like they were trying to still sell us Canelo and Danny Jacobs. But other than that, I really didn't have a problem. I thought, I think that Sergio Moro does a very stellar job. I think he calls the fight. Um, I think you needed a certain balance, you know, uh, where it's just one guy's going to be the color analyst and the other guy is a fighter, an ex-fighter, and, and has the experience of knowing what, what's happening in the ring and outside the ring or what they're watching. Um, so I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, like I said, I didn't tune in to everything they were saying. I heard there was a lot of bias, but I didn't hear that a lot. And the reason was is because I did have two streams going on at once. Um, so I was only able to focus with one ear and my uh, two eyes focus on the fights. So I'm with you, man. Uh, this is probably just mad. Just some of the Triple G fans are mad that they weren't dumping out Canelo enough. You know, that's, just, that's what it is. Man. That's what it really is. You know, 
They want to talk about, you know, all you want to hear is people complaining about the cards. Honestly, I don't want to hear about the cards. Everybody, like, um, earlier Juan called, right? Everybody has like, yeah. their own opinion on the same fight, man. Everybody does. It's just human nature, you know? And Absolutely. So it's not that people, yeah, I mean, people need to knock it off with the, the, the judges are crooked or whatever, man. It, it, that's, that's baloney, man. Cause it's it's just, the you know, easiest. It's the easiest way of getting, you know, of not really putting any real informative input. You know, um, I've, me and Gabriel, we've been at this at this game over 10 years, and we've talked about this, and we laugh at it. You know, some folks think they can get us upset on, on Twitter. Here, here's the thing is that Gabriel was saying that if you look like a troll, he blocks you. I rarely, if you ever watch me, I rarely interact with folks on social media, you know, unless I know you. Uh, or I, unless I know that you you do really do good coverage, I do respond or I'll interact. But more likely, if I respond to you, is if you if you're gonna send something in on the Leaving the Ring Gmail, because the majority of hardcore boxing fans and Leaving the Ring fans, that's where they respond. And I know, okay, they really do listen to the show. They're just not an assumption because we've had this happen to us many times. We put up a title on YouTube or on even in an article. And they would go off of the of the, the the title, the headline, and they wouldn't even read the substance of what we were talking about, you know. So it's I look at a lot of these like these fanboys as as a bunch of guys that they're not even watching the fight. They're just watching what their fighter does. They're not even enjoying. They don't even have the they can't even, you know, comprehend that there's two guys in a ring. You're watching two men try to beat each other, and it's a compliment. And sometimes you get two fighters that are able to complement each other so well that it's so difficult to score it. And that's a thing of beauty. That's something that you should appreciate. Gennady Golovkin can't seem to get over the hump of Canelo, and Canelo can't seem to get over the hump over Gennady Golovkin. So they complement each other, and it makes it, it, makes it a con- conversation piece because these two guys are so well-matched, and they're both – both there, so that should be the main focus of how well matched they are, and 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 how 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 difficult it is for one of one uh, for one another to beat each other. You know, it's really rare in the fight game that you get that, and especially when it's when it's time for it to happen. And, and that's another thing too. I was to you guys uh, talking to Juan, right? And Juan sounds like he wants to, and I don't blame him. He wants to see the triple G. Uh, Canelo number three sooner than later, you know. Me personally, I'm in no big hurry, right? Like I, you know, I've kind of already seen. That. I like to see like some fresh new matchups, right? But right. There's also a part of me, man, because you know, I when I was younger, I was a huge uh, Juan Manuel Marquez fan, right? Like I went to go see him up in uh, Lake Tahoe, and then I went to go see him. He was on the undercard of the Chico Corrales fight. People forget, but he was on that undercard of that fight, of the Corrales Castillo fight. I went yes. to go see him in Vegas. So I was a big, I was a big time Marquez fan, right? So I kind of lived and died with him, and. uh by the time that Manny and, and Marquez had gotten to, to the fourth fight, people didn't want to watch it no more. I remember that, man. Like, people weren't, weren't excited about it. You know, in spite of all three fights being awesome, people, you know, Marquez hadn't gotten over the hump, and people weren't that excited. Well, at the end, I think number four was probably the best one out of all of them, man. It was like, uh, it was like Hagler Hearns. That was one of the, the, the craziest fights I've ever seen in my life. Arguably, mm-hmm. the, first, the first and fourth one were the best. You know, the first one where Marquez got, he gets dropped, what, three three times, four times in the first round, but was able to rally back into the fight. That was phenomenal. Um, it was a, that was a big shake for any Mexican fan at the time. Because I remember when he, bought, when he beat Barrera, Manny Pacquiao, I was like, 
oh shit, okay, well Marquez should be able to, you know, let's let's really see what Pacquiao is really about. And when he was able to do that, it was a shocker. Uh, but that fourth one as well, like you said, man, that was just there was cuts and blood and man, you talk about some real solid punches being landed on both men. It was there. It was a hell of a night. Um, were Gennady and, and Canelo, honestly, uh, both their fights, I didn't see any, anything really like that. I just saw a very competitive fight. You know, I saw some big shots, but there are more show-and-tell shots, you know, where, like, Canelo's face would turn and then come back and was able to look at Triple G and smile at him. Same thing with Triple G. His head would spin back and then come back. Where with Marquez and Pacquiao, you didn't really see that because they were following up with big shots. There was really no time to give you that camera look, you know, and, that, and, and that's what I, what I missed with the Canelo and, 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 and Gennady Golovkin. But like I said, I do appreciate it because it's a very complimentary fight because they complement each other so well because they're so, so even, uh, evenly matched, you know, in, in their style. Styles make fights. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, just, I'm, I'm more speaking toward like to add to the fans towards the next rematch, right? Like we're kind of tired of it already, right? But sometimes in spite of people being tired of it, it ends up being the best one out of all the fights, you know, like uh, number two was uh, Barrera Morales. The best one, in my opinion, was number three. That one was like high-level chess with anger and coraje, and they really hated really? each other by the time they got to the third one. That was my favorite one. That was my, really, with the winning gloves? One. When they when they came out with the winning gloves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They hated man. each other, dude. They hated they, well, each bro, other, and yeah, they did not want yeah. to back down the whole fight. They, that was an yeah. awesome fight. The, third, the first one was awesome, obviously. The first one was awesome. But that third one was like on a different level mentally, man. They hated each other. You Dude, know, they you really know what? When I was down in Reno uh, covering when um, – God, what was that guy's name from the contenders, the ball dude? Uh, Jesse Brinkley. And he beat um, uh, Curtis Stevenson, okay? Well, Barrera was there. And it was right after that. Um, he was out sitting out di- dining with his family, and I caught I caught you know eye of him right away. And I was like, oh shit, that's that's this Marcos and you know Barrera. And I went up to him, and he was really gracious, man. First off, you know, I went up to him, I, I introduced myself to him, and uh, he told me to sit down, and we started talking. And, and then and then I decided to fit in an Eric Morales question to him, and he looked at me and he goes, "Ni no quiero, yo no quiero hablar de él." <laughs> That's all he said. I don't want to talk about him, and that was it. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, that w- <laughs> they don't like each other." <laughs> that was that was an all time rivalry, man. I was like, I know, I know, like the general uh, boxing fans don't rec- don't recognize it as such, but it was right there with Muhammad Ali versus uh, George. Uh, oh yeah, versus uh, Smokey Joe Frazier, man. They hated each other that much, just as much as those two. They hated each other too, man. I mean, it's cool they made up. Now, now they're against their friends and stuff, but. Back then, man, either you were a Barrera guy or a Morales guy. You couldn't be both when, when, I, when you know, back back in the day. And me, I was like the oddball. I was a Marquez fan. <laughs> like, everybody's arguing over those two, and I'm arguing for Marquez, but, you know, different times. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward. Like, I want to see Canelo maybe fight uh, Andrade, right? And Triple G, he can fight wherever he wants. And that's another thing, too. Why do people expect Canelo to prop up Triple G so much, man? Why does uh, Triple G's career only revolve around Canelo? You know, like, I don't get that part. Why does Canelo, like, always have an obligation to fight this guy? Like, it's been like, you know, you, you know people are throwing darts things in the beginning to fight, to fight Triple G, fight Triple G, you know? like well, I mean, you're, him, you're, you're forgetting so that people. Triple G, you know, as much as he hashtag all the bouts, he hashtag 
I want to fight Canelo. You know, it wasn't the other way around. I don't ever remember Canelo saying, I want to fight Triple G. He wasn't chasing down Triple G. Am I wrong? It was. It has always no, been Triple G wanting to fight him. So I think that the sourness comes from Triple G and his fan base. Um, and that's why the attachment is there, you know. Um, you know, uh, I, I even, I, I think I was telling you, right, Gabriel? I was like, man, you can really tell that Canelo's just done and over with this. He's He's like... Dude, I want, I'm over this already. You know, I fought the guy twice already. What more do you guys want? You know, there's other things out there for me to accomplish. And I think it, everything said and done at the end of the day, I think Canelo is going to give him that third match because Canelo is Mexicano, and, and he, he's going to hold himself to a pride, you know, that, that he feels that he has to hold, uphold to for the Mexican people because just like, uh, you know, Juan had said um, – Mexican people from Mexico don't like Triple G because they don't even know much about him. They're gonna if 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 Triple G continues to you know uh, attach his name to Canelo, those fans are gonna start calling for that fight as well. But I agree with 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 Gabriel all the way. There's got to be something involved with that. G's gonna have to do something. Go get a belt. And Canelo even said yeah, that as well. And, and Canelo said that, and it, it's it's a boss yep. move, the way Floyd used to do boss moves like that which is telling other people what to do. Like, you know, as much as you guys have a good hundred million, I make 365. I'm also testing 365, by the way, and you're not. Um, go fight Andre. He's the toughest matchup in the division for Canelo, for a Triple G, for anybody. You go beat him so I don't have to. Bring me that belt and we'll do it again. It's that simple. Yeah, he needs some, he needs some variety to his to his. To his. To his fights, man. Triple G does, man. You know, the only, the only two guys he fought that, that that were worth anything have been Donald Jacobs and, and Alvarez. His whole career, he's almost forty already. You know, is that is that Canelo's fault? Is that uh, Dane Jacobs' fault? No, that's Triple G's fault, man. You know, that's some variety. That's that's good to your resume, man. Well, most most disputed, people would uh, tell you though. The the fan base of Gennady Golovkin though will tell you that. Did you forget that everybody uh, avoided Triple G? Even Sergio Martinez, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah. know, it, it's it's really hard to argue with them. Um, it's even hard to argue with. Like I said, it's it, trying to make sense to something that they don't want to even, you know, that's right put in front of them. You know, um, it, I just don't find the time to do it, man. I agree with you. I agree with a lot of calls. Look, if you want to see the Triple G re. Uh, Trilogy, I'm all for it if it's if it's if it makes sense. Um, but if Ganelo opts to say, "Nah, I don't want to do it right away," you know, make him go fight for a bout. I'm all for that as well. You know, I don't think I don't even think Triple G is in such of a rush. If he was, why is he getting uh, why is he going getting in the ring with Rose? If he was really trying to make a statement, think about this. If he was really trying to make a statement in corner Canelo for that third fight, immediately wouldn't you have wanted to come back with one of the most Dangerous fights you could have that was available for you, which would have been Demetrius Andrade. That to yeah, me would have been all a about statement. The money. Yeah, that would have been a statement to me, you know. But some folks would lead, lead you to believe, like we well, just got off of two tough fights and blah 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 blah, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and but hey, that's this is boxing. This isn't tennis. It's not golf. Yeah, he's he's worried about risking the Canelo fight, but it doesn't seem like Canelo's worried about risking his fight, you know. He just fought Danny no. Jacobs, you know. Canelo doesn't really care about that stuff. It doesn't seem like it, right? 
He's not like no. uh, concentrating on having a rematch with Triple G. No, he's concentrating on making in, his career, making a resume. You could throw in if you want to criticize Canelo by saying his debut with the Zone was against Fieldings in the UK. Uh, go right ahead, but my response would be this: Well, it was an unknown territory. 168 was he the weakest link of the 106 pound belt holders? Absolutely, but it was unknown territory. It could have went the opposite. You know, it was an the weight fight. could have been too much. It was legitimately an interim fight. Too. It was in December, a few months after the fight with Triple G, right? Yeah. Uh, Triple G's taking an interim fight almost a year later. Almost a year later, he's taking an interim fight. You know, like, come on, man. And I'm not excited to watch that. I mean, I, again, I don't want to dump on Triple G. I respect him. But at the same time, man, it's like, dude, don't, I like don't talk G, all that mess and not back yeah. it up. Huh? Yeah, I like Triple G, but you got you to gotta point out the obvious. You know, I was really tough on Canelo. I mean, geez, I made it on my on Modesto B here at Modesto on the front cover. I was on the front cover of my criticism of Canelo Alvarez. The guy hung up on me during an interview. <laughs> you know, because yeah, of the I did the first interview with Canelo when he arrived. You know, when we Golden Boy signed him, right. introduced him to media. I was the only English speaking media that showed up on a Sunday, um, on like. In, in downtown Los Angeles, I forget what what it was, what it was for, <clears throat> but it was I think it was pre the Cotto fight, and uh, yeah, I mean I've been covering him a long time, and and I, I the the journey that he's been on, I don't see how anybody can deny that he's the best in the game at this point. You he's win over your fans thing. by fighting the people that you're supposed to. That's how you do it in boxing. You, you know, win over your critics. Yeah. He's had it his way, but that's the way it is with stars. People need to quit bitching about that. You know, it's like you don't want there to be a league. You don't want a fighter union or association, but you do want to just bitch about the stars getting to dictate and while ignoring that, okay, it's just, then it's just a business. It's just a, as Ludabella called it, a series of individual uh, business transactions. Uh, Every one of them is different depending on the clout that the guy throwing down the contract has. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's always going to be until it changes. And but, he's picked up the torch. He's picked up the torch that uh, Manny Pacquiao and De La Hoya dropped, right? Uh, being yeah. the, the, the top name in boxing and fighting everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I I don't think he won every fight against Triple G. Or I think he's one and one against Triple G, right? But De La Hoya didn't beat everybody he fought. Uh, no. Fought against, right? Neither did Manny. Neither did Manny. But they fought everybody, man. So, you know, even if you think Canelo has one or two L's more than, than he actually does. He's still, he's still a top fighter, man. He's still the guy giving the fans what they want, man. The top. To fighter, me, man. Canelo is, is scratching the itch that Floyd never did. You know, yeah. I mean, he did early in his career, but when he became pay-per-view guy, like that career is just very lacking to me. You know, the, the, he fought guys that uh, passed the time that they would have been relevant to him. I mean, Danny still had a lot to give at 160. It was probably like you know the right timing to get him for for Canelo. Probably Danny's. Last, I bet you it's his last fight at 160. But still, right. it was still a dangerous fight, and and he took it. Um, you know, boxing is you know timing is everything. Uh, but he fought Laura when Laura was prime, and Trout when Trout was good, uh, or you know still prime. He's still quality, but but you know not top. He's not going to be the, the very tippy top anymore. Um, you know, we only got about 19 minutes left. Let me ask you this. Oh, thank you. Thank- who you who, no, who do you like this weekend? Heard versus Williams. It was supposed to be a preview of that. We haven't even talked about it. Oh, Jerry Heard all the way, man. I think he's just relentless, man. I, I got Jerry Heard, man, by late, late round stoppage. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, 
Yeah, he just relentless. He reminds me of Margarito, man. He's a Mexican Margarito, man. He's just relentless, man. I love watching him fight. I'm also excited for the ESPN card too, man. Yeah. He's got size on his on his side. You know, he's six one, seventy six and a half inch reach. Um, you know, out of the orthodox style against five ten, seventy two and a half inch reach. Julian Williams, uh, who's got one KO loss. He's a uh, twenty six one and one with sixteen KOs. Third is uh, twenty three and zero with sixteen KOs. Uh, Williams has been four and zero, I believe, since uh, yeah, losing to Jamal Charlo in a fifth right. fifth round knockout. Just uh, obliterated with a uppercut. Knocked down twice in the second uh, and twice in round five, or once in the second and uh, twice in round five. Uh, and it was just, uh, you know, he just overmatched. Um, he's gotten some wins under, underneath his belt after that. You know, he went the distance with the ECA Smith. Uh, he beat Joseph Conley right before that, you know, fighting twice in 2017. Only fought twice uh, again in uh, uh, 2018 with a majority decision over Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel Gallimore. And then uh, he stopped. Francisco Castro in two. Uh, why he's only fighting twice a year, I have no idea. Makes no sense. But, I, I uh, you, I, you know, here he is against you. Jared Hurd. Let me put my two cents with, 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 with Williams really quick. I'm with you, um, Fernando, about the stoppage. I, I'm, I'm looking at Hurd stopping him in the later rounds. The only way that doesn't happen, though, is that Williams looked at the Laura fight and can implicate what Laura did, Laura did in the beginning of those rounds but not gas out, not get walked down, because that's what Hurt is known for. Big guy, walks into your punches, takes your punches in the high on the gloves, and it just slowly chops away. He's a slow starter. Williams, to me, is going to have to fight better than the way Laura did. He's going to have to be more conditioned. Um, I just don't see that happening. I, don't, I know a lot of folks have been high on Julian Williams. I've never have been. I've never seen what people have saw in him. He looks like an average guy. We saw that with Charlo. And I think he makes the same mistake. I think he gets, he, he's going to, you know, have a success early on in those rounds. But when Hurd uh, walks him, catches those punches and gets in close and lands the bigger, heavy uh, margarito punches, it's just going to be all over for him. So I, I, I'm going to go with a uh, eighth round stoppage for Hurd over Williams. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. I like to see those PBC guys maybe a year or two from now, uh, Hurd and uh, or Spence against Canelo maybe. That'd be awesome too, man. I think those are great. Will be great fights eventually too. But uh, thank you for taking that phone call. I appreciate it. All, All right, right brother. Thank you. Peace. We got yeah, one, I mean, we got room for one more caller if you want to patch one in, unless you want to give your uh, take. What, what, yeah. I mean, let me ask you, what's your take about Hurd and Williams? And I you, think it'll go the distance. But uh, uh-huh. what's that? Yeah, I think it'll I mean, go the distance. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think it'll be an easy fight for Williams. Um, he's got to make a decision to kind of move away uh, and try to get away from the onslaught. I, I just like Jared Hurd in this. I think this side, um, I think he's a smarter fighter than just being a being a big guy. You know, um, I agree. Dealing with Laura, I agree. After dealing with Laura, I think Williams is going to feel like a breath of fresh air in terms of a puzzle to solve. Julian, he's just kind of flat-footed. You know, he's learned to be well, a little more on say, his toes. You know, right. but in that five holes still open. I just I always felt an uppercut was going to happen, and it, boy, did it. Um, you know this thing? So, he you drags know. his back foot. You ever notice that, Gabriel? With Williams, oh. he drags the back foot when he when he jabs in, or when he even throws a combination. When he decides to go in for a combination, he drags that back foot. So by the time the back foot is in place to move, that's when he gets caught. That's when he gets hit with punches. Um, that's what I'm saying. He's going to have to box better than Laura, and I just don't see that. 
I don't see that happening. And it doesn't even – let me ask you this. Do you think size – is William size enough to keep Hurd to go back? I mean, because if, if you can't box like Roy, to me, you're going to have to push Hurd back. Yeah, I just, yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, if you, you, is he going to be sticking and moving like the whole fight? Because I don't think that's going to get it for him. And uh, you know, I just don't think that. Yeah, th- I think the answer to that would be no. You know, that's just not Julian's game. He's kind of more of a physical fighter. He wants to to get down and fight you, box smart, but kind of also fight at a medium pace. And I think Hurd's just going to be pressuring and pressuring and wanting to get into a fight. And I, th- I think it's going to be a bit of a war. But I just don't think that's going to be a good idea for Julian. I don't think so either. You know, in the, in the punch that hurt Julian and was caught knocked out with was the uppercut that Charlo threw. Um, and that's one thing that hurt does when he's in the inside. When he traps you, he likes to throw, uh, you know, pocket shots. And those are the shots that Williams is going to have to look for. So hopefully him and his trainer, uh, they, they, they worked on that. Because there's going to be at a point, at some point in the fight, um, that he's going to be in that pocket because, like I said, I don't see him boxing like Laura. I don't think he can be on his toes, toes if you know for for a long duration of time. He's going to have to pause and fight, and and I think when he does that, it's going to be uh, Hurd who who's going to swiftly let his hands loose in the inside pocket. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, but I think it's gonna be a brutal fight, you know. And maybe it comes sooner. It, it all depends on how he handles his power, you know. But that's a right. good, good, uh, you know, at the Ingle Bank Arena in Fairfax, Virginia, on Fox uh, FS1. This is Saturday night. Uh, you've got Jared Hurd versus Julian Williams. Uh, Twelve rounds are on Fox. Um, Mario Barrios uh, versus Juan Jose Velasco, Junior Welterweights. So that should be an action fight. Uh, Matt Corp. Excuse me, Matt Korobov versus um, Manuel Alim. Middleweights, that's going to be an action fight, I think. Korobov is, is rarely, in, you know, if ever, in a boring fight. Um, and uh, really just a full undercard. But uh, you know, there's only five fights, I think, or rather six fights being shown uh, on TV. But uh, those are the top three. Um, and then over on uh, ESPN, ESPN Plus, uh, Miguel Burchelt uh, takes on Francisco Vargas in a rematch. Uh, super featherweights in action. And Emmanuel Navarrete versus Isaac Dogbe. Another rematch, uh, Super Bantamweights, 12 rounds on ESPN. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be a brutal fight, uh, I think, both of them, you know. Um, Dog Bay, yeah. you know, that's that's courage coming back. Maybe he wasn't right for that fight, but uh, it's kind of do or die when you're facing a guy that uh, took you out the way he did, uh, you know, the last time. It's more on Dog Bay this time around because, you know what, he, has to, he had, had gone back to the drawing board, make these adjustments. Let's see what he does. On fight night, because um, a lot of times coming off a loss like that, I mean, he just didn't get a loss. He got a beating, you know. Uh, a lot of times you need a little bit more time. Sometimes even a confidence builder. We didn't see that, you know. Like you said, it's pretty ballsy for him to say, nah, "Let me get that rematch. Let me get back in there." So it's really on Dog Bay. What 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 did he learn from this? How mentally strong is he to come back so fast and so soon? So it's very interesting. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 gonna go with Navarrete in the fight. I just think styles make fights, and it looked, you know, all things being equal, the style was just not quite right for him. The the size, everything just was a little off. But uh, I could be wrong. I really like Dog Bay, but Brashel uh, uh, Vargas. I, I just think that that Vargas, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of miles on that odometer. Um, <laughs> I just feel like Brashel is it's his time right now. Um, he so is I a step side, my friend. Through. 
That's what he What's is that? now. He, he is a, he's a step side truck, at, you know, at the moment, you know, um, he's not a new truck anymore. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I know people are excited about it, but I'm just, I, I mean, if there's something left in him, it might be, it might turn out to be a good fight. I think what people are, are going to be praising about is it going to, there is going to be blood and fists flying, but is it going to have a, a, a science of violence behind it? No, it's just going to be violent. I lose you, Gabe. You on mute? Oh, are you on mute? <laughs> I, I'm doing great on mute. Uh, also on Friday, May 10th, Motor Point Arena, in Nottingham, England. The zone. Uh, Lee Wood versus Ryan Doyle featherweights for uh, 12 rounds. Uh, a bunch of other guys on that card. Uh, and then Omega Products International in Corona, California. Showtime, ThompsonBoxing.com. Ruben Villa takes on uh, Luis Alberto Lopez featherweights. Um, and th- I believe, yeah, those three top bouts are going to be on Showtime. So that's a featherweights for 10 rounds. Michael Dutchover uh, takes on uh, Ramon Mascarena Jr., lightweights in action, eight rounds. And Saul Sanchez versus Brandon Leon Benitez, bantamweights, eight rounds. Um, and that is your weekend fight schedule. Hey, did you see yourself on the design, I mean, on the top rank card in, in Stockton? You came in as a big white uh, uh, heavyweight, man. Mr. Montoya. Oh, Jose Montoya? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my boy out of Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't get the win, but, you know, uh, he was out there. I, I mean, was going to say, did he win? Good. No, he didn't All get right. the win, but it's okay. No, you know, but he, he's but, like hey, I mean, I, as a Montoya, I would have been proud of him. Uh, let me just put it. Well, there you go. Have been proud of, you know. Hey, we can still fit in one or two more calls. We got about another uh, eight minutes here on leaving the ring. So let's patch in some callers for make it mindful, please. For anybody that comes on, just make it really quick. We only now have seven minutes. 209, you're live on Living in the Ring. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Uh, uh, Who's this? Great weekend of fights. I went to the Stockton show. I had a blast. My God, I can't wait to come back again. Um, I watched uh, the Zone fight the next day, and I ran into a lot of streaming issues. Uh, hmm. Hope they fix that out. But other than that, great weekend of fights, guys. I'll, I'll keep it short. <laughs> You have All the right, Ruka. Let me ask you this: What, what, how are you streaming it? You have, are you doing it through that? What is a Ruka or, or Fire on your phone? Uh, 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 on my phone, I didn't have no problems. On my Fire TV, I didn't have a, I didn't have no problems. But yeah, uh, uh, that's the TV in my bedroom. But on the TV in the living room, the big one, a uh, brand new Fire Stick, brand new, like less than a week old, uh, hmm. 4K, and uh, my my internet was on point and all that. It just it, it would freeze, and it would speed up. It would freeze, and wow. it would speed up. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, a few, there's a few things I'm gonna try. You know, you know, you know, based off their recommendation from their website. Then after that, I'm gonna start calling them up. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, but, man. But over what ten thousand people that showed up in Stockton and everything, huh? I mean, man, that dude, it looked um, phenomenal. It was loud when when uh, uh, Gabriel came on the fight. It was loud. They were screaming. I was screaming. Uh, um, had a blast. Had a blast. I think I think uh, you guys. I think even the the local fans scared uh, Christina Poncher because she was like holding on to her purse when everybody was screaming. She was looking around. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You are in Stockton, home girl." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. She realized, wait, wait, Stockton, Stockton? I thought it was a different yeah. Stockton. Oh my hey, goodness. people don't believe this shit. People don't believe this, but in Stockton, bro, they closed the stores there like at six or seven. Literally, they closed <laughs> stores. You know what I mean? You, there's, it's like a ghost town in certain parts of Stockton. You know, um, I went to go see that Joe Coy guy, and he was, he was, you know, uh, um, making jokes about it, right? But then when we walked out of the Bob Hope, uh, 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 what is the theater? Arena, yeah. He, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't bullshitting. Everything was, was closed. A, uh, downtown, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, some of the stores closed real early, uh, especially on Sundays. Uh, but but for the most part, you know, you know, once you once you uh, get out of downtown, you know, it's not really too bad. Uh, but but you know what about that? The people at the arena were good, behaved. I mean, right. I mean, it was a very supportive day for uh, for uh, Gabriel and, and Stockton. It, no, it was that great. was great to see, man. It's great for the city of Stockton too. You know, absolutely. I, I make jokes just because I've done a I've traveled through Stockton quite a bit you know, <laughs> I lived I lived in Sacramento for many years and I traveled with a you know a children's touring cho- uh, show where we'd go to yeah, schools yeah, yeah. and perform for, for fantasy theater is what it's called uh, uh-huh. and uh, oh we got to get into so that I, on the next next show Gabriel yeah. I got to hear about that <laughs> just, they, they changed their name from fantasy theater because dudes used to come to the theater because it was over by the railroad tracks around uh, seven o'clock and be like, is this a fantasy theater? Like, no dude, it's a children's theater. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, wrong place. Are you, uh, are you guys, the, are you guys, the, are you guys the ones that perform at Happy Hollow in San Jose? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they changed it now to the, the California children's theater. So now you know exactly what it is. But uh, I used to, I've traveled like all through every weird, you know, or small town uh, from like Northern Cal central Valley, all the way up right. to like, uh, Near Nevada, like any small, like one room classroom, I've been there. Uh, but I, you know, Stockton's cool, man. I think you guys got an In and Out Burger, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, you know, it's just like every town has their good spots, bad spots. Right. Uh, lived here my whole life, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the show was great. The show was great. I mean, God, I'm, I'm so happy they came here. I'm, I'm so happy they set it up. Um, there was a lot of people, a lot of people over there. I mean, um, uh, when, uh, Gabriel fought, man, everybody was screaming. It was, it was good. It was good. Uh, had a blast. Uh, when I came home, started watching the, uh, uh, Canelo fight. Then I passed out on my couch, watched it in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what was the buzz the like during the week for that, for that fight? Were people around town talking about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. They, they've been, yeah, well, uh, right where I work, uh, the people that, that I knew, oh, yeah, they were all talking about it. Uh, they were all asking me if I was going to go, you know, if uh, if I already got my tickets. I said, yeah, you know, I, I got my tickets the very first day that, that, that uh, they announced it. Well, actually, not that they announced it, that they weren't on sale. Right. Um, you didn't see Vatos there streaming it at the, at the arena? Streaming? Well, on their phone? Uh, 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 which one, the Canelo fight or the – Yeah, the Canelo uh, fight. The Canelo fight. Well, you know what? Uh, uh, my girlfriend tried. You know, you know, she, she uh, because, because uh, she was on my account on her phone. She tried, but the reception was was bad. Poor, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, bad inside the arena. I mean, you know, it just kept freezing up, kept freezing up. Uh, after after that, we went to uh, her family's house, and then we're talking about the fight. You know, I still haven't watched it yet. I'm staying away from social media. You know, I don't want to hear about it. And and then uh, uh, her sister-in-law. Uh, uh, Let's me know who won. I'm like, oh, come on. 
That's like the little fuckers that mess it up for the end game, uh, the Avengers, you know. Oh, and Iron Man dies. Oh, dude. Like, come on. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I just saw five people drop off right now on the call. It's like, oh, he died. What? No. But, uh, yeah, I heard the same thing too. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, uh, yeah, I had Roy Jones Jr. versus uh, Antonio Tarver two ruined for me. Right as I came <laughs> in the door, just painful, just painful. Yeah, man. Yeah. Whenever I miss a fight like that, man. Oh, oh, um, on a side note, I, I do want to mention about Virgil Ortiz. Uh, uh, Virgil Ortiz, he looked good. He looked. He did. I mean, man, scary. Man, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him in the future. I mean, I, I really am. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, Number yeah. one prospect. I, I watched a lot of his fights, you know, you know, on Golden Boy undercards. But but now, I mean, it, it looks like he's going to be fighting on the Canelo undercards. I mean, I'm looking forward to the, what the future has for him. Me too. Uh, that's the that's, best way to do it is to attach him to Canelo. You know what I mean? So everybody, okay. casual, see him, they're, they're going to be looking forward to him. I know some folks are saying, oh, about Lopez, that he needs to do that. But this is the right and traditional way of bringing on a fighter is you have him underneath the main event guy. And if he's always exciting, he, he will develop to be the demand. Oh, yeah, yep. yeah. He looked good. He looked good. I mean, that, that, that punch that he gave for that, man, that, oh, uh, that was that, that came with speed, velocity. I mean, he put his whole body into it. Just jumped right into it and bam, gave it to him, man. I was like, whoa. Oh, he spilled I, a I, lot I, of beers, bro. With that punch. Oh, my God. With that punch, he, he you know, you know Ortiz made a lot of guys spill their beers because, I mean, I almost <laughs> did. I was like, oh, shit. You see this? Like, oh, my oh, God. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I was speaking to my lady about that guy. I was like, man, this guy, this guy, this guy's going to be something else when he, you know, the more as, as as it keeps going, I'm, I'm looking forward to see see them developing him, uh, pretty good. All right, gentlemen, I'll, I'll I'll keep this short. I'll let you go. Thank you for answering my phone call, and uh, always, I'll brother. talk to you next weekend. All right, man. All right, man. Thanks for calling. All right, all right, all right. Well, that's the end of our show here on Leaving the Ring. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, obviously, we didn't cover everything. We normally never do. I mean, if you're calling in Leaving the Ring, we, we kind of stick on one topic, and we kind of roll with it, and we just throw in other few other stuff, you know. Uh, we're the unsalted mixed nuts type of show here on Leaving the Ring. As always, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. I'm your host, Dave Joinis, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. As always, my friend, I will talk to you next week. And everybody else, thanks for calling in. Peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.